Get it going. It's time to get up. Nugent Hopkins behind the net to dry side. Out of the right corner to McDavid. Scores! Connor McDavid! These guys are here to break it all down. You know, the one thing about our group is we want them to be confident. We want them to be excited to play. And uh, when you win, you... That's the best way of gaining confidence. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. That doesn't sound good. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Six o'clock in the morning, rain coming down. We turn the calendar and say hello to the month of February. And the Vancouver Canucks get set to say hello to the Montreal Canadiens all week. Hello to the Toronto Maple Leafs on the weekend. And figure out exactly where they are in this, the North Division, the Gord Downey Division of the NHL Hockey. Good morning, everybody. Perry Solkowski along with James Zabalski. Getting you set for what will be a fun week of Vancouver Canucks action after what was a, a Saturday night test where it was going, all right. What exactly are you, Vancouver Canucks? We saw what the Ottawa Senators were all about. By the way, the Oilers just scored a goal again on the Senators as they are leaking right now. But the Canucks come off what would, at least in my eyes, the best performance that they have come up with. A opening 20 minutes where you thought, man, you need some goaltending. Thatcher Demko, who we're here from before we're done here, said, you know, I just bubble Thatcher done. Like I am, I'm out of the bubble. Let me prove to you that I can play hockey in other parts. Did exactly that as the Canucks rolled defensively strong. And what I think is a good Winnipeg team. Full credit to them as they pick up the, the win. And now go to Montreal with a little bit of confidence. Game above 500. And don't you love the fact that it wasn't that long ago where Montreal came in, embarrassed Vancouver. This will not be the Canucks team that the Habs saw two weeks ago on the three games that they played against, winning the last two uh, very convincingly. Just dealing with some gremlins, probably because it's raining so hard before we get into James. But I always want to uh, welcome you to join us on the text line, 650-650. Hope you had a great weekend, the Dunbar Lumber text lines, where we want to continue the conversation. Now, there'll be lots to talk about today. Man, a weekend I was saying last night. I mean, what can you do on a weekend like this? Unless, of course, you're heading downtown and going to parties, three-floor parties. Bars going, dancers, everything happening. People getting fined for that as they should. Uh, I didn't even, I left the house and hiked twice. Never even went downhill and just stayed up around and did not a whole lot other than enjoyed some really good hockey. The Saturday night and Saturday night hockey, Kevin BX is a part of it. Kevin will be on the show as he is every Monday at 8 o'clock. Just the matchups that we have seen. As intriguing as you can find. Calgary Flames, Jacob Markstrom. On Saturday against the Habs, Habs have the opener introduced by members of the front lines. All the players had their jump. Uh, Markstrom bounces back after that home opener on Thursday, in which he watched on Saturday. Absolutely rock solid. Right now, the Calgary fan base is going, yeah, okay, that's what we got. Markstrom is delivered. Tanif is delivered. Johnny Goudreau, I think there are some players who are going to enjoy what this is as far as North Division hockey. And let's be honest, it's as fast-paced as you can find. But and I want to get into it with Bieksa too. How physical is it? There was some pushing and shoving in that Calgary game. People are getting on each other's case. But really? Have we worried about Pedersen getting pushed around and that it's going to be really physical? Have we worried 
and for my money, the most exciting player in the last week, Niels Holglander, getting pushed around. I don't think it's been as physical as we thought when we said, man, they're going to play these times nine times, ten times against these teams. It is going to be vicious. Not yet. I mean, honestly, have the, have the is Connor McDavid and Liam Drysdale really worried that they were going to be clamped down? It's just who can outscore who right now in the North Division. Uh, we'll get into stuff with Montreal because Eric Ingles will join us in about 10 minutes' time. We'll talk about the Canadians, what they have. Victor Mete, a guy who quietly on the weekend is just like, yeah, I'd rather play hockey than be part of this depth situation. You wonder how long that could last here, too. Sam Bennett is a guy in Calgary who's kind of through the agent, wondering, hmm, I wonder if anybody would be interested in me. And I think what we're seeing is you see the star players and what happened last weekend with Line and Dubois getting their way. Do you think those who are, I'm not going to say bit players, but role players, might be able to beak up and think, yeah, you know what? If I'm not playing, if I'm part of this taxi squad, I think I have a better fit elsewhere. We'll get into it with Eric Ingles, how the Canadians navigate that situation. The Taya J is everybody. Fireworks going off in Tampa Bay last night, officially kicking off what should be an absolutely incredible Super Bowl. Tony Romo saying over the weekend, Pat Mahomes, if you ever wanted to be in consideration when your career is done as being the GOAT, then you've got to win. You've got to win Sunday. If you lose to Tom Grady, you will never, ever be. It doesn't matter what you do. You will never, ever be the GOAT because when you had that one-on-one battle with the 43-year-old, you couldn't win it. Fair? Don't necessarily know if that is the case. We will break it down with Natay. They're out at left tackle in Kansas City. And Andy Reid loves his O-line. Says it goes O-line, D-line quarterback if he's to build a team. And his O-line is hurt. But will he have with this two weeks enough of a scheme? to make sure that he can handle situations there. And as I mentioned, uh, Kevin Bieksa will join us at 8 o'clock. We'll get into what he thought of the weekend of hockey, the week ahead here for the Vancouver Canucks. And then Donovan Bennett will join us. It's the beginning of Black History Month, doing a lot of special uh, documentaries and features throughout the month on sports. And one of them involving actually Vancouver Whitecaps, Carl Valentine. So uh, we will have that conversation with Donovan as we get into what is happening and, and the changes and maybe how little change has transpired uh, over the last 12 months and over the last 40 years. Uh, let's get into it with the Canucks and let's start with the guy that when Seaball jumps on with us, yeah, he's taking his, taking his hits. Who is Brock Besser? Last week was the third anniversary of Brock Besser going to Tampa Bay, getting excited to go to that all-star game. Going, oh, you know, you're the best we have right now, Brock go there lighting it up in the skills competition, lighting it up in the game, and going, you are the all-star game MVP. Wow. Okay. There you are. You're a rookie. You're four months in. You're an all-star MVP. Let's begin the conversation. Who's better, Barzell Besser? Barzell Besser. Okay. All right. Late injury. Barzell wins it. And then we have expectations for Brock Besser. Go, well, this this guy might be a 40-goal scorer. He's got to be going that way, isn't he? And then we saw a drop-off, but not before we saw him get knocked into the boards in a back injury. Not before we saw him with a wrist injury. Not before we hear over the conversation the fact that his father is ailing and Brock spends more time there and then deals with a a controversial, not controversial, but a contract holdout. And we just wondered, is Brock Besser back? Brock Besser is not back. Brock Besser is back as a better hockey player than he was three years ago. 
And that takes time. And I think Brock Besser can be a player and kind of a model of what this hockey team is. We saw decent nights three years ago from the Canucks. We saw decent nights two years ago from the Canucks. And we saw decent nights for them last year. We didn't see consistency. Whether you're a team, whether you're an individual player, it all has to be about consistency. And that means it's not just going, hey, we got a couple of goals, but uh, unfortunately those goals, uh, they came back for us because I didn't watch my man come off the wall. Didn't back check like I was supposed to back check. It takes time for everybody to learn, just like this season. All right, we've got some new players in here. Systematically, we're not playing well. As a, as a unit of five, we're not playing well. We saw it Saturday when they were able to lock down a very good Winnipeg Jet team, have a great second and third period, go, you're not getting one on us. That's the evolution. Brock Besser is back. Brock Besser is back. He's been the best player in that line since day one. He is stirring the drink as much as JT Miller did it last year. He's the one with the confidence taking that pass from Edler early on and goes, ah, I'm not going to get rid of it right away. I'm not going to one-time it right away. I think I got a half second here. Whoop, to the backhand, I'll go, it's one nothing. Again, love all three of these guys. Not a whole bunch of celebration. Here's what Besser said when asked post-game on Saturday. Okay, like, man, you were on a roll. And again, he referred to, hey, man, like, let's be honest. I wasn't 100% healthy over the last little bit. Here's Besser from Saturday night. I think my shot's feeling really good, obviously. Um, it's, uh, I mean, obviously... Um, you know, there's there's been issues with uh, injuries in the past, but, um, you know, I've been feeling good and I've been really focusing on staying healthy and, and feeling good on the ice. And I think it's it's showing and I'm feeling confident out there and feel like I'm moving well. He's moving well. You, you, you kind of think of Brock Besser when he came to this team. And, yeah, I'm going to say plotted a little bit as far as his skating was concerned. Oh, I wish Brock could work on his skating. He doesn't have to work on his shot. Mm-hmm. Comes back and slowly worked on that. Hey, we were working on some things too. As I hear another voice there, and Seaball, <laughs> welcome, welcome this Monday morning as the rain was getting in all our equipment. I think, man, Brock Besser, you were a guy who was on his case, thinking what exactly is he? I think we're finding out this year. He's a guy who can still score goals. I will jump into this in full detail coming up in just a few minutes, pair. But uh, you know, the Department of Clarification at this point, I feel like Brock Besser, the way he's playing right now might deserve an apology on my behalf. And I think a lot of people who had him signed, sealed and delivered to another market based on the last, what, how many months, how many trade rumors was Brock Besser involved in over the last, what, let's say eight months. Well, send him to Minnesota for Dumbo. Send him, send him, <laughs> yeah. for, Dumbo. Send him for Dumbo, right? They'll yeah. love him in Minnesota. They'll think he's better than he really is right now. If Brock Besser goes like that, you go, Hey, that's not a bad deal. Brock Besser at $6 million. Well, I'll tell you what, man. The one thing that is fun about this schedule is that it it doesn't give us a whole lot of time to react and breathe on the heel of each and every game. So here we go. It is game day today. And what do you say? We'll, we'll get into this much more in terms of what we saw on the ice uh, from Saturday night against the Jets and a very dominant win. But game day tonight in Montreal, a team that absolutely clobbered the Canucks a week and a half ago. And uh, will, will the song remain the same or will there be a different narrative this time around? Eric Engels, our Sportsnet colleague in Montreal, joins us bright and early this morning. Eric, good morning, sir. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'll tell you what. I mean, even though the Habs came up on a short end of the stick uh, a couple of nights ago uh, to the Calgary Flames, I like the way the Habs are playing right now. I mean, they really look like a balanced roster, sir. Yeah, they like the way they're playing, too. And... uh I didn't think, you know, 
you kind of sit here with a five zero and two start, waiting for a kind of a sobering loss. And I didn't think they suffered one on Saturday. They, you know, it was a two nothing game where it was one nothing until the last thirty three seconds, and the Canadians essentially tilted the ice against Calgary and just threw everything they had at uh, at Jacob Markstrom, and he uh, he lived up to the billing. You guys have seen a lot of that in Vancouver over the years, and uh, he was at his best on Saturday night, and they got goal lead. So. I don't think they were too discouraged coming out of that game, but they know they're going to face a couple of really tough ones against Vancouver, who's found their game now and uh, obviously will want to avenge those losses. Eric, do you has their start surprised people? I mean, I, I think much like the Canucks, right? There was hope from what you saw in the bubble, and then, boy, the massive additions. You thought, okay, that might work, but it could take some time. And it's tough to tell with no fans being in there, but a sense in the city, have they surprised people with how good they've been to get out of the gate? Um, it's a, it's a yes and no thing. Like on, on the no side, uh, it's because you look at what the Canadians were supposed to be about in terms of depth and balance. And, and, you know, that became apparent really quickly. Uh, but on the yes side, it's, uh, of course they've surprised because you wouldn't imagine that this would all come together so fast, given the fact that just like everybody else, they had a 10 day training camp and no exhibition. And unlike everybody else, they had to start the season on a two week road trip, uh, across the country so it, it's uh i think mark bergman is a bit surprised i think claude julian is a bit surprised but uh in terms of what they what they are um and living up to what they could be um that's the part that's not that surprising because you know they added five stanley cup winners over the off season they added guys at every key position that they they had holes at and you know it's it, it's this is what this team is about. They don't have the Elias Pettersons of the world. What they have is four lines that can attack you and, and three pair, three pairings um, where size and physicality and puck movement and speed is featured and two goaltenders who make up one of the better tandems in the league. So yeah, you know, like it, the Canadians are who, if, if you know, you're, if you know the game well enough, they're, they're who you would expect they could be. Um, are they going to go through some tough times like everybody else for sure? Um, but I think, you know, unlike some other years where they've gotten off the hot starts and then fizzled out, uh, I just think the experience in their room is going to prevent them from going on extended skids. Uh, they could lose a couple of games to Vancouver here and, and we might be singing a very different tune, but I just uh, think this team has already shown what it can do. And, and uh, I think there's room for improvement like every other team at the early part of the season. Uh, bigger surprise for uh, for Habs fans uh, to kick off the season. Uh, just how good Josh Anderson is, just how good Tyler Toffoli is, or the uh, the resurgence of Jonathan Drouin so far this season? Yeah, you know, I guess it depends who you ask. Um, for me, I'm not surprised by Josh Anderson. I, I know what Josh Anderson's about, and I didn't, I didn't particularly read too deeply into an injury-riddled season where he was playing hurt and couldn't, couldn't be the guy that he needs to be in order to be effective. I know that when he's healthy, um, he's just a, a player that <laughs> skates in straight lines and creates a lot of havoc with his body and his speed and um, and some pretty good finishing touch. And it, I'm only a little bit surprised about the fact that he's gotten off to a quick start. That he's that you know how important it was for him to hit the board in the very first game and gain that confidence after so much time. He had gone over a year without playing. 
So that, you know, that's a huge positive for him and a big positive for the Canadians. And I think there are a lot of fans that are surprised that it's gone so well, um, even though he got the big contract and was traded for in a pretty big deal with Domi and a pick going the other way to Columbus. You know, they, they saw the numbers last year and were wondering, you know, is, is this guy going to bring it? Well, he, he's bringing it. Um, on Jonathan Drouet's front, you know, we saw this from Jonathan Drouet at the beginning of last season. He, he, he then, at the worst possible time, suffered a wrist injury where he tore a tendon in his wrist and was out for three months. And when he came back, the Canadians were chasing a playoff spot from way behind and they had to depend on him and he just wasn't ready to play. Um, you know, they could could have said he was healed from the surgery and all that, but he wasn't, his confidence was not going to be found in those eight or so games that he played. And, and he, he was just clearly uncomfortable and in pain. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, it's the same old Drew. Well, I, I, I just, you know, I don't think he was, he was in a good spot to be there. And then they got to the bubble and it took him some time to find that confidence. And once he found the back of the net, he, he finished off really strong and brought that into this season. So I just think Jonathan Duran went through a bit of a transformation last season. Um, and I think, you know, we're seeing the, the fruits of it now and, and Josh Anderson being on his line and Nick Suzuki being where he's at now and the depth of the Canadians in general, taking some pressure off of him is helping. And that's why Jonathan Duran is succeeding to the level he is. And, you know, you look at uh, Tyler Toffoli and he's just doing what he's always done. He's a guy that's just a sneaky, subtle, smart, right positions, good finishing kind of player who can play in all situations. I think the one thing that maybe a lot of people, even hockey fans who know him, didn't didn't know is his ability to kill penalties and his ability to use all those skills that I just mentioned to score goals and Canadians have five shorthanded goals this season and he's got a couple of them and uh, they scored six last year in 71. So that's a big, big change for, for uh, Claude Julien. I think that part of Tyler Tepoli's game would have to surprise people. Uh, everything's good when you've only lost once in regulation, but not necessarily in the Victor Mete camp. Uh, it appears that publicly admitted he would like to be moved. What happens with that situation? How do you see that playing out? You know, I'm not entirely sure, but, uh, you know, Mark Bergman you know, uh, immediately texted a couple of reporters after uh, after that report came out and said, A, no trade uh, requests has formally been made, and B, I'm not trading them. And, you know, if you're Mark Bergman, I don't think you're going to be pressed into any situation where you're going to trade away the next guy up in your in your defense core when you know that injuries or a COVID situation or illness or whatever is right around the corner. It's... You know, Victor Mete is a fourth-round pick who's played 170-odd games in the NHL already. The Canadians obviously liked him, or they went and promoted him at 19 years old. Um, from his end of it, totally understand. You know, you, you, you establish yourself. You go to the, from the first pairing to all of a sudden you're on the third pairing, and now you're out of the lineup, and it's nothing much to do with how you play. It's more to do with the fact that the team is getting better, and there's just certain pieces that have come along guys like Alex Romanov uh, stepping into the lineup at 20 years old, 21 years old also. And, you know, that's just the name, the nature of the game. And, you know, Victor Mete on most teams is an NHL defenseman on, on some good ones. He's a number six on some not so good ones. He's a number four, you know, it's a, it's a tough situation for him to not be able to get into any games while that's going on. You know, like I look at Brett Kulak, and uh, he was playing on the second pair last season and has been bumped to the third with the arrival of Edmondson and Romanov. And he's kind of put his head down and, and 
still kept his level of play. He was tremendous in the bubble and, and uh, to come back to camp and say, okay, now you're on the third pair again and you're going to, you're not playing power play and you're not playing penalty kill. And you're going to be playing about 14 minutes a night at even strength. Um, you know, he's got that, he's a couple years older than Mete and, and has that experience and is, is using it to his benefit to play great hockey. And that's, that's why Mete finds himself on the outside looking in right now. And I get it, you know, like, uh, He's in a contract here. He just accepted a qualifying offer, uh, you know, not making a ton of money near the league minimum. And he wants to be able to prove himself, wants to be able to prove he's worth something. And he knows that there's teams that would trade for him. And he knows that he could be playing in somebody's lineup right now. So I just think it's an it's an interesting shift right now going on in hockey when you see the Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and Patrick Laine is asking for trades at the ages they're at. But it's another thing for a player like Victor Mete, who's not of the same uh, ilk as those two players. I think we're seeing a shift in terms of what players believe they should and shouldn't do. And, you know, Sean Monahan is, is also represented by the same agent as Victor Mete, and both of them are asking for trades. It's uh, not Sean Monahan, excuse me. Sean Sam Bennett. Bennett. No. Sam Bennett, excuse me. It's early. It's early for you guys. It's early for me, too. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's 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 an interesting dynamic. Where it goes, I'm not sure. I, I, if I'm Mark Bergevin, I'm in no rush to do anything here. Even if I like Victor Mete and I'd like to accommodate him, you know, he just hasn't earned that status yet. Yeah, and at the same time, like that's a deep blue line. Suddenly, when you look at the additions, you, you know, as you mentioned, you, you added another Stanley Cup winner on that back end with Edmondson, and I mean, it's big, it's mobile, it's nasty that back end. I look at the schedule right now, Eric, for the Habs, and maybe are, are the hockey gods smiling down on Montreal the way this schedule kind of sets up? They had a nice chunk of days off after kind of rolling through Vancouver, and then. You know, they've got a busy stretch here kicking off later on today with the Canucks for the two games here. And then then they got another week off here in the middle of the month. I mean, it's for a team that has a lot of veterans as well, in addition to the kids. Like, this seems to be a fairly favorable schedule for Montreal. Uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure about that. I'm not sure I agree. Uh, yeah, there's there's a break in there, but the, the, the style of games and the, the volume of them and, and the... Um, the, the condensing of the schedule is still very much apparent. And, you know, if you get a week here, you know that you're going to have a couple of weeks following it that are going to be that much more jammed. And I think this is a tough week with Monday, Tuesday games against this Canucks team that's hungry and trying to get on a roll and, and is on a roll. Uh, and then, you know, they're going to face an Ottawa team later in the week that hasn't, that hasn't uh, been able to win a game since the first one. And I, I just think, you know, you can look at what it looks like on, on paper and say, yeah, you know, maybe it's a little easier, but I, I don't think any team has it easy at this point. And if for whatever reason, one of these situations pops up where a game gets postponed and has to be made up later, you just know it's going to be that much tougher. And, you know, we often think about the physical element of the schedule, but the mental element is just as significant. And when you know that um, the standings start tightening and the, the season starts to compress and the schedule does too, um, there's a mental element grind involved there. So I don't know. I, I guess you could look at it the way, the way you just did. I don't personally look at it that way. Just uh, it, It's just a question of, of how you see things, I guess. Eric, thank you for this. Uh, I think what you will see is a different Vancouver team starting tonight because uh, 
They don't look anything like the team that the Habs came in here and beat up on them. But still, I think we're a little unsure. Should be a fun week of hockey between the Canucks and the Habs. See how it plays out. Yeah, I'm expecting to see some good games. And uh, I know that the Canucks are, are going to bring it. And I heard you guys talk about Brock Besser on the way in. and He's... Uh, He's just a tremendous goal scorer, and like all goal scorers, when he's not scoring goals, everybody asks the questions. But when he starts getting on a roll, you realize you start to remember why why he is what he is and why he's a unique threat. So uh, I expect he's going to be one on the ice. I expect Elias Pettersson's going to be a lot better, and uh, the goaltending seems to be up a, a significant level from where it was a couple weeks ago. Thanks, Eric. Take care, guys. All right, there he is, Eric Engels uh, in Montreal, uh, looking ahead to the Canucks and the Habs. And the uh, the Habs, despite a setback on Saturday night against the Calgary Flames, still look very much like the Montreal Canadiens that we saw here in Vancouver just a week ago. Um, just ran into a hot goaltender and a guy that we're familiar with in these parts, and Jacob Markstrom. So uh, puck drop 4 o'clock this afternoon here on Sportsnet 650. Pre-game starts at 2, and we got you covered here on your home of the Canucks. It is 25 minutes after 6 o'clock. I'm alive. Perry's humming with gas. It's all cooking right now. Brock Besser, man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, and maybe I should be apologizing for the way that this guy's playing right now. We'll get into that next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. 631, Sabalski and Solkowski kicking it with you. And, you know, after this market fell in love with Brock Besser during his rookie campaign, we spent the better part of the last two years treating the Brock star like a game show for kids. In the world is Carmen San Diego. Yeah, injuries and inconsistency derailed the Canucks wingers early portion of his career. I mean, last year, Besser finishing with just 16 goals looked like a shell of himself out there. And I was one of those critics. Now, I claim to think I don't claim to think that Besser listens to this show, but he seems motivated to turn the last couple of years around and try to tell the haters like me to would you please shut the hell now, Besser has exploded out of the gate with an NHL leading eight goals to start the year. He's a far cry from the player we've seen the last two seasons up to this point. He's got quicker, and the zip and the release on his shots seem to have returned to the one that led to him being the All-Star Game MVP back in 2018. Here's Brock Besser in on goal. Yeah, the swag in that shot, it's back. I think my shot's feeling really good, obviously. Um, it's, uh, I mean, obviously, um, you know, there's there's been issues with uh, injuries in the past, but, um, you know, I've been feeling good, and I've been really focusing on staying healthy and, and feeling good on the ice, and I think it's, it's showing, and I'm feeling confident out there and feel like I'm moving well. Besser's back injury that cost him the last 20 games of his freshman campaign carried over into year two, and his magic seemed to have evaporated a touch. But that shot was missing in action last year, and it resulted in him being taken off the top line when Tyler Toffoli arrived. His power play time was also reduced. He missed 12 games because of a rib injury. 
And then fans and media, well, they had him dangled in every possible trade rumor last summer. Remember Matt Dumba, anybody? Right? But the Disney Prince lookalike didn't blame injuries for his struggles. He chalked it up to more of a mental situation. You know, last year, I, I've said it a lot, it was a learning experience. I think I was in my head the most I've ever been in my head in my hockey career. And, you know, this year is a fresh start, and I just felt like I need to get back to my game just – not overthinking things, just playing off instinct. If Besser's back to being the one that was a Rookie of the Year finalist, then it's a win for the Canucks. Having a lethal sniper as your fourth best forward is a serious sign of quality depth. Now, it remains to be seen if his output is going to be sustainable, but for now, he's got one Vancouver media mouthpiece wondering... Yeah, and that is this morning's Seaball Says. Eight goals by Brock, uh, tied with Connor McDavid. Obviously, he's played more games than most in the NHL. Uh, saw on social media uh, when he lost his helmet Saturday night in Winnipeg and had to get to the bench because as soon as you lose your helmet, you go, gosh, if this guy played in the 70s with that flow, would have been great. Hey, he's, <laughs> he is um, a player that, at least right now, I think, with his best buddy, Petey, I think could have offered some advice because you're right. You kind of forget that they were trying to figure out where Brock Besser belonged in the last month of the season because you couldn't find him. But the good thing was he was responsibly defensively. The bad thing was you didn't get Brock Besser to be responsibly defensively, but take that as a, a progress, right? Like this guy now is a 200 foot game and James, would you be concerned if there's two minutes left in a game and a one-goal lead and Besser's over the boards with his line? I don't think so anymore, right? Mm -hmm. he, he now could be in both situations. Yeah, I don't know if I'm, I'm totally going there, but I would say if I'm, I'm, I'm more comfortable matching power line for power line if the Canucks want to do just that. But there's a great text here from Jono at 650-650 on the Dunbar-Lumber text line pair, and, and I like what Jono says here. Brock is not back. Brock is back as a better hockey player. I think there's something to be said about that. You know, he got faster. Do you not think that he was, you know, he almost looked like molasses on a cold day last season. He's got a little more burst this year. Like even walking to the net when he tucked one in against the Senators, uh, right in close past Matt Murray going back a few games ago. Right. Just that, just that little, just that little burst, that little step. I don't think he had that last year. He made a point of getting quicker this off season. I think it's noticeable right now. Well, you take that Matt Murray goal, you know, where he sees that space from six feet in front of the net and goes, I'm going to, I'm going to come out here and I'll let the shot go before someone starts hacking me. And then the exact same thing in a situation in tight against Connor Hollabuck on Saturday night. All right. Pass is there. One timer might be the play, but I'm so confident. I'll always move this over to my backhand and slide it in while he's coming at me and it'll be okay. It's, it's amazing what confidence can do. He's been the best player on that line. And right now he's the one going, come on, guys, you know, play at my level. And I think they'll get there. I don't think Petey's there yet. JT Miller's not there yet. But Brock has been consistent right from night one. And I think it's just, I don't know if it's a step backwards, because I, I think you would have to say he was poor all season long. But it's a reminder that he can score. And I'm sure he feels good when he looks and goes, man, I got an eight already. I may be able to get myself 25 or so in this shortened season, maybe more. If he stays healthy, and that's the one thing that I don't know if he played up as much and nor would a pro player is, is how much he was bothered by back and or wrist injuries to start his career. 
Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just to kind of get a sense of where, yeah, I, I mean, he'll be streaky, right? I mean, as all goal scorers are. So at some point there will be a market correction to, to the rate that he's scoring at right now. But I guess you just wonder where that shooting percentage ultimately lands, right? Because Brock Besser, you know, his shooting percentage was close to 17% in his rookie campaign. You know, it dropped, I think, about 4%. But by last year, it was below 10%. It was closer to, I think, 9.5% where his shooting percentage was. So I guess that where's where's the true value of Brock Besser? I, I guess you think that it's somewhere in the middle, right? In terms of what ultimately balances out for Brock Besser. But, you know, his shooting percentage right now is almost 27%. Like, <laughs> that's not sustainable, right? Remember P- remember Petey's rookie year pair? And, and he was almost 30%, I think, for the first, what, month of the season. It was like, okay, like, this is not sustainable, right? <laughs> you can't score on every three shots you take. Um, but you know what? The Canucks are benefiting from it right now. They've won four straight. And I'll tell you what, like it's it's nice to see Brock Besser kind of getting back to being that guy from four seasons ago in his rookie campaign. Yeah, a dumber lumber text line hopping Amir saying, Hey Perry, you guys are hypocrites. You were suggesting move PD to the third line or fourth or trade Besser before. Give the kids a break. I sure hope they don't listen to you on this radio show because sometimes your IQ on hockey very low. Thank you, Amir, for saying the IQ is low. It's not even low, it's below low. Um <laughs> I don't know. When have you and I ever suggested what's, what's that, IQ? Yeah. When have you and I ever suggested that PD goes to the third or fourth line? And yes, you just you just apologized to Brock Bester saying you've been on his case. I've been the one guy saying he's been a complete hockey player yeah. and he's no. better for it. So Amir, you know, give the ears a little bit of a wash. Thank you for listening. But I don't think we've said PD should be a third or fourth liner at any point. And and you just apologize. And I've been saying Bester becoming a complete hockey player. So. Hey, it, it's going to go in ebb and flows, and I think we forget sometimes how young these guys are. Like you go, hey, you got three years, you should be there right now, and you just go, man, it doesn't happen that quick. But it's amazing because we've seen it, and we're seeing it again with Niels Hoglander. To me, been the most exciting Canuck in the last four games. Mm-hmm. Like every time this guy's over the board, Seabell, I'm going, what's he going to do now? Like, what's he going to do now? I, I remember that uh, you, you know we don't see the players anymore. Hoaglander must have tree trunks for legs, man, because this guy is so balanced, gets down so low. But to me, he's been the most exciting forward uh, to start this first three weeks. He he is fun, right? And he brings just a, a little, uh, like a firefly out there, man. He just brings, brings some energy. He's noticeable, right? Just kind of pops every time he steps out onto the ice. And, you know, I go, look, you got to f- figure if it's sustainable. But when you look at kind of the top rookie scoring leaders out there right now, I mean, just as a comparable, you look at, you know, Pius Suter with the, with the Hawks. You know, all of his points essentially came in one game. Now he scored another goal last night. But, you know, for, for a kid who's, you know, in that rookie scoring mix, Suter's kind of starting to have a market correction to where it's like, okay, you had a big night. But Hoaglander, to me, is, you know, after opening night pair, I thought he kind of quieted down for a few games. But, you know, he's kind of picked up his pace again and you're right you know the minutes are limited but when he gets out there he seems to make the most of it he's very efficient managing his minutes and and every time he's out there it's the tenacity when he's on the four check like man he forces turnovers you love seeing that from a young player yeah and you know what he uh he's a good distributor of the puck 
Like he he really he makes some really good passes. I think some sometimes that surprised Pearson and Horvat that he got the got the puck to them. So I think their understanding, as much as if you remember that first practice session, Hoglander, hey, what was it like to skate on the top six? I was so nervous. I mean, Bo Horvat, Tanner Pearson, you know, legitimate NHL stars, and I'm out there playing with them. Now he's like, all right, guys. And he said even in the interview with Scott Oak, Scott Oak brings up the old lacrosse goal. Would we see it at some point? wasn't hesitant. Like at some point, this kid's going to try it because he's going to have that much confidence. And, he, you know, when he tries it, he knows he's going to get nailed for it. And I think he welcomes the physicality that the NHL brings to him. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that's what they say Pud Colson will be about. Hey, if Holglander actually sits in a top six role, I know we'll see it. Maybe we'll see it again tonight. Tyler Toffoli, Tyler Toffoli. Well, four times four at 16 million or a guy on an entry level who actually is doing things that, Foley's not that fast in the offensive zone. You know, it, it might prove to be smart move. Amazing that the kid can fill the void that quick. Uh, it's you know what it's uh, it's been encouraging. I'll tell you what the other encouraging sign, and I don't think we've really mentioned it enough here so far this morning. It's been Bubble Demko's return, right? I mean, to look at what he's done over his last three starts here in the last week, pair. I mean, stopping ninety-seven uh, or what? A hundred of a hundred and three shots that he's faced, so ninety-seven percent safe percentage. Um, man, you know, that was one thing we talked about at this time a week ago, Like, There's some guys scuffling right now. You know what this team could use is, you know, a big save or two, like steal a game from a goaltending standpoint. And you look at the last four starts, you know, even Braden Holtby start in there too. The Canucks have got great goaltending over the last and a direct result. Why this team's won four straight. Look at that first period, uh, against the jets the other night. Uh, with a little bit of curiosity, I wait for the morning skate because who do you play in goal? Do they go with Thatcher Demko again? I mean, you had the day to travel. You got back-to-backs. I would play Demko. See, I look at it this way. At some point, you know, you can you're, you ride the hot hand, I think, the way that Demko's playing. But I would sooner go with Holtby tonight just because of the game stretching out. You're, both those guys are going to play back-to-back nights. But I think you can give the extra day off to Demko because I think at this rate right now, Demko will probably get the Thursday start as well. So you give them the extra day off in between here, you go play tomorrow, and then you can get them back into the Leafs game on uh, on Thursday night. That's how I would approach it. But well, I, we'll I think he is rest- he had wrestled that number one mantle, and nothing yeah. against Holpi in the game at this point. point. Yeah, but at this point he has, and I like the fact that he no longer wants to be referred to that that bubble player. Hey, he was incredible. I mean, I will always remember the shaking of hands of Mark Stone just kind of shaking his head when he got to Thatcher Demko at the end of the series. Like, <laughs> what the heck was that? Like, what did yeah. I just witness? Like, you saw a ghost. Um, and, and good on Thatcher Demko to prove to people, but they proved that he proved it in a 10-day span, and now he's going, no, no, just, just let me go. And certainly in the last couple of games, and especially in that first period. And it's not crazy flailing all over the place. It's controlled Thatcher Demko. Uh, that's a massive win. Again, here we go. If he proves that he can be that guy, and it's Thank you very much. This is exactly what I need. There you go. Everyone who go Markstrom, Markstrom. Well, not at that kind of money. It's funny. Every week will be either a good Jim Benning week or a bad Jim Benning week, and it all will be on what the results are on the ice. I don't care what Thatcher Demko says, man. Bubble Demko is a thing. I want to keep it. Hashtag oh. Bubble Demko. If you're with me, hashtag Bubble Demko on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. All right. Uh, we're going to talk Super Bowl coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. It is game day here, and it's an early start at 4 o'clock. And, Pear, we've also got a little no BS coming your way too, right? Oh, so much is happening. And last on Saturday, I'm going, that's got to be BS. 
There's no way you give this guy that much and tell him to leave. We'll explain it to you. That's ahead on a Monday morning. February's here on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks on a game day. Sports at 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want it. I want the truth. It's not BS. Just P.S. with Perry Solkowski. So much happening in the last 48 hours in the world of sports. Uh, we'll break it down for you. Not B.S., everybody. This is just P.S. How about this? Four first-rounders, four second-rounders, two third-rounders, a signing bonus of $25 million, $110 million guaranteed. And this was Jared Goff's best moment in California. Yeah, it was fun. It was, it was really good. Being the transfer was fun. Everybody was clueless. The whole team looked at him like he was Hercules or something. You guys were full in, thought I was transferring here. Full in, bro. I will remember this for the rest of my life. Yeah, you won't remember as a Ram, but man, those football players who were junior college players, and he came on and pranked them one day with long hair and said, no, I'm your new QB, and they didn't know who he was. That may be his best moment because it's ridiculous how much they gave up so they could draft him and what they gave up on the weekend to get rid of him. Jared Goff, timing is everything. A great year in a city that was welcoming back football. James, man, he made out like a bandit in a big trade with Stafford and Goff now going to the Is it me, or am I the only one who feels like this is an insane amount to give up for a quarterback who's been incredibly average for his career with Matt Stafford? it's, It's crazy on both sides. Although I think Stafford might be able to turn that into something, but I was shocked by you don't like him that much that you're giving up everything to get a guy who may not help you. Yeah, yeah, well, look, Stafford's put up some numbers, but he's essentially like Sharif Abdur Rahim, right? Yep. yep. Like Sharif put up some big numbers as a Grizzly, but they always lost, right? And I just wonder, like, at some point, like, Matt Stafford was healthy this past year. They went 5-11, and 11, the Lions. And, you know, okay, you could say all oh, weapons and this and that, but that guy had a Hall of Fame receiver, right? He had Megatron. And how far did they How far did they go? He had a disruptive defensive force in Ndamukong Sue. He had somebody like Megatron. And what did the Lions do, right? You can't sit there and say that he's had nothing. Just an average quarterback, man. Would you even say Matt Stafford's a top 10 QB? No. No, I guess, guess what? It's easier to play in a team where there's no expectations. Now you go to L.A. where there will be expectations. Surprised that the deal, but just ridiculous what Goff has made in one great run to the Super Bowl. But that's what they have done. That is not P.S. That is P.S., everybody. As is this, guess who was up to no good again this weekend? I don't like him. We'll never like him. He's a cheater. Patrick Reed, controversy again on Saturday in the PGA. The big question, why did you pick the ball up before you called in the rules official? Well, really the biggest thing was right after I hit the golf shot, we we all saw the ball going left, the whole group did, and, uh, you know, the ball just disappeared. None of us saw it bounce, and so the first thing we do is when, when we don't see it bounce and the group doesn't see it bounce, you ask the volunteer, whoever's closest to that golf ball where it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what you don't do is you don't pick up your golf ball real quick. Other pros said as much. I wouldn't have picked it up. Reed hits a drive. He can't see it. The videotape shows the ball bounced and then settled. But he finds an embedded mark, picks it up, and then tells the official, yeah, that's where it was, so I just picked it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, they kind of cleared him, but at the end of the day, Seaball, this guy's a cheater. Once a cheater, always a cheater. He's also a winner because he won the tournament. And, and you know what? Honestly, it's the best thing for golf right now, right? When you've got a villain that people dislike. Hey, look, as, uh, do you dislike more his personality or the questioning is cheating? No, I, but I like the It's I all of it, right? It's all of it. It's it all of it. Enough yeah. when he wins, too, you don't really. Yeah, but but you've got it. You've got a foil in golf, man. Like it, it's just villains help make sports better. Like pair, it's kind of a perfect storm for Patrick Reed, but he seems to be comfortable enough wearing the black hat, man. So good on him. <laughs> I don't mind hey, this. P.S. Strange AHL exhibition game Saturday between Henderson Silver Knights and the San Jose. Oh, what's their name again? The Barracudas. Barracuda. Thank you very much, Balak. It is the Barracudas. They're playing an exhibition game. They play the first two periods, and then they don't come up for the third period. Now, granted, no one's there. But, like, they didn't get through the third period. They said, hey, it's not because of their own positive COVID test, but obviously some protocol happened. Someone got some results in between the intermissions, and they shut it down. So we'll see what happens there. And finally, P.S., a Spanish newspaper is about to pay a price. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. Yeah, Lionel Messi and Barcelona are taking legal action against a Spanish newspaper, El Mundo. After the weekend, they released detail of Messi's record-breaking contract that he signed in 2017. Here's the deal. There's only four copies. Messi has one. Barcelona has the other. La Liga has to have a copy. And then there's a law firm that has the other copy. Somehow, details get out. By the way... In four years, that contract, if some of it wasn't met, uh, Lena was making $673,000. So, yeah, good money for Messi, but he's going after whomever leaked this contract. Because only four out there, and one of them showed up in the music. Wait, can I just, can I, can I just clarify? $673 million, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry, what did I say? Uh, you said 1000 No, he's making, he's making about $125 million a year. It's yeah, the for highest four years. For four year. years. Yes. For four <laughs> years. Like, oh, I think this is my big ticket. I'm going to cash in. Yeah, it's going to have $125 million a year. So we get caught up in NHL numbers, NBA, NFL numbers. There's the little guy with the left foot. No, 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 I, no this is what I make. I'm embarrassed now. Everybody knows, oh, my goodness, I could own countries. How is that a bad thing? Like, you're you're going to take legal action to, to let people know you made over a half a billion euros in a four-year contract, and you wanted out of that deal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I need a fresh start. I want to be paid my worth. Uh, 6.57, it is game day as the Canucks and the Habs renew hostilities tonight, this time at the Bell Centre in Montreal. We'll tee up for that. Plus, it's Super Bowl week. We'll kick off our Super Bowl coverage with our Monday morning quarterback, Natea J. And we'll do it all next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day. Sportsnet 6.50. (laughs) Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Nugent Hopkins behind the net to dry side, out of the right corner to McDavid. Scores! Connor McDavid! These guys are here to break it all down. You know, the one thing about our group is we want them to be confident. We want them to be excited to play. And uh, when you win, you... That's the best way of gaining confidence. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. That doesn't sound good. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. 
Rise and shine. It is uh, four minutes after seven o'clock. Time clock violation, maybe. Uh, it is Super Bowl week. Uh, we'll get to that with our Monday morning quarterback, Natea Jay, in just a few minutes. James Sabalski, Perry Salkowski in the house with you as it is game day here in the city. Canucks and Habs for the fourth time this season ready to drop the puck. It's a 4 o'clock this afternoon showdown. We got you covered here on Sportsnet 650 with the pregame show starting at 2 o'clock. Batch and Hershey with the call coming up at 4 o'clock. Pair, I got to say this, man. On, on Saturday, you know, lost maybe a little overshadowed here in this market with, with the ending, the exorcism of the, what, the massive uh, – disaster that has been Winnipeg for the Canucks over the years, ending the 10 game losing streak in the peg. Mm -hmm. How about on Saturday night, the stars coming out to shine Crosby Ovechkin McDavid, the three faces of the league, all score overtime winners on Saturday night. Yeah. And um, you know, in the pursuit of turning $1 into two, uh, it helped me that Ovi comes back his first game back and gets that. Uh, McDavid gets that in a hockey game that, uh, you know, I just, man, the Leafs and the Oilers, I don't know. Are we going to see hardcore intense hockey? I don't know if that is going to happen at some point, but yeah, you get the three superstars getting the goals and, and doing what they're supposed to do. And I think right now, and I can't wait to talk to BX in the eight o'clock hour. I just thought we would see more physicality in this in this matchup, in all these games. And I just don't know if we're there yet from a player standpoint, but you're right, man. Saturday was a great day for hockey all around. When the superstars show up late in OT, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, no, it, I just thought it was just fascinating. And that McDavid goal, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the OT one, but man, that McDavid oh. goal, like to be able to move like that, uh, to go coast to coast, and then when you're in tight and even off balance, and to be able to to finish like that, like that is just pure filth. And then he follows it up with five points last night. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know how many. That's the second one he's had because he had one against. Remember Edler standing at the blue line in that second game against the the Canucks. So there's two that come to mind this year. You can probably come up with about twenty through up. Hey, he's, he's the most exciting player in the NHL, and he's the best player in the NHL that plays at a, a speed that we've never seen before. Go Pavel Bury crazy all you want. Pavel didn't skate like Connor McDavid. I'm sorry. Athletes are better. They're faster. And what he does is incredible. What's amazing is you go, you're that good. Dry settles your heart trophy. And I'm not sure if that's a playoff team in Edmonton. There's some serious issues. I know they got money to spend next year, but right now that's going to be tough to see the Oilers get through. Well, the Oilers are 5-6 and six on the season right now. They're tied, I guess, with the Jets with 10 points. Tonight, you've got basically uh, whoever wins tonight will take sole possession of second in the north. Now, the Canucks do have, uh, you know, have played three more games than the Montreal Canadiens, but the Canucks and Habs both sitting with 12 points. The Leafs atop the leaderboard right now with 15. Uh, so the Habs do have some games to play. But I'll tell you what, I mean, I'm fascinated to see how this one plays out tonight because it's hard not to think that this is a different Canucks squad than we saw the one that looked so lifeless at the end of Saturday night at Rogers Arena a little over a week ago pair, a team that just got demolished by the Habs in the final two games of that series. Um, but you know what? The Canucks have certainly tightened it up defensively. I mean, they still give up the shots, 
but they've also seen some markedly noticeably better goaltending and particularly from Thatcher Demko, who's been on fire with a 97% save percentage here over his last three starts. And Braden Holpe, who probably had his best start as a Vancouver Canuck that we saw against the Ottawa Senators. And I get, hey, look, three of those four games and those wins came to get the hands of the Ottawa Senators, but this is a team that looks like they're playing with confidence right now. They've got the big guns going up front. Uh, this should be a fun one tonight. Stay 500 on this road trip through Montreal and Toronto. If you uh-huh. can do that, I think it's a success. You know, talking to Eric Engels, who's the beat writer for Sports in Montreal, and James, you asked him the question about his schedule. Man, let's be honest. This Canucks schedule's been brutal. I mean, they've had to go with limited practice time and try and figure it out. They finally did with a couple practices, and they have. If they can quit through this schedule again when they finally get to to take a breath. There's no such thing as a break, I think, this year. But to take a breath, they'll be okay. And I'm reminded of someone saying, hey, you know what? Out East, they'll get a better idea of to what the Canucks are. Because to be honest, you know, you get into Montreal once or Toronto once, you don't know. Now they will. They'll see them there for the entire week. See what they can do. And if they can be 500, uh, they'll be fine. Saturday was a good start. I wasn't sure what we would see. But their last 40 minutes was their best 40 minutes in my eyes all season long. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree. I think the Saturday night, probably the most well-rounded effort that we've seen from the Canucks this year. And, uh, you know, Demko obviously coming up with the timely saves, but you're seeing the offense. Besser looking like a, a, just a much different Brock Besser than we've seen the last couple of years. But pair of this schedule that you alluded to, you know, this is another three and four for the Canucks here starting tonight against two really good hockey teams, right? Montreal looks, you know, Montreal and Toronto look like the class of the division so far here in this all Canadian Gord Downey uh, division, but you go three and four. They don't get a stretch of the schedule until next week after next Monday, they play every other night, essentially uh, once you get through these two games and then you play the Leafs again on next Monday before you come back home. You have an extra day off in between before you have the Flames and you open up for that four-game series against Calgary starting a week and a half from now on Thursday, February 11th. But these next, you know, again, this is a tough, This like how many three and fours have we seen the Canucks play already this year? I think they've already had three, and we're only two and a half weeks into the season. Well, played more games than anybody else, and to do that, that means you're playing a lot of hockey. And so to get through it, and they've scuffled, now you're a game above 500. And if you can put a week together, just buys them some time, right? Because, you know, at some point, when you look at a schedule like that, you can't see Calgary coming in here for four, and then Canucks going, yeah, we'll probably get three, or, you know. You're looking for splits, and I think that's why we're not going to see a whole bunch of teams mm-hmm. run away. You're going to get splits. Calgary got the split with Montreal. Let's see if the Canucks can get off the right foot with the Habs tonight. Uh, okay, much more Canucks conversation coming your way in just a few minutes from now on this Monday morning. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski with you. It is game day here. Don't forget, it's a 4 o'clock puck drop between the Habs and the Canucks. More on that coming up at the bottom of the hour. But it is Super Bowl week. And it's the Chiefs, it's the Buccaneers, it's Brady, it's Mahomes. And let's bring in our Monday morning quarterback here to talk all about it, uh, Natea J, uh, who joins us here from the All Ball Podcast. Natea, happy Monday, sir. What's up? What's up, guys? Happy it's Monday. Super Bowl week, man. I, Bowl. Hey, let me, but before we kind of dive into Super Bowl week, let me just throw this at you because you're also a rock star receiver in the Canadian Football League as well. You had a head coach and you never who never actually coached a game. He's gone. You got a new one now and Jamie Elizondo. It's been a crazy weekend in the Canadian Football League here. What uh, what do you make your new coach? 
Absolutely. It's been a crazy week. Uh, coach Milanovic, you know, was, you know, brought in last year, but he didn't actually get to coach a game. He got paid and he didn't get to coach a game, now he's <laughs> in the NFL, which is unbelievable when you think about it. But uh, now Jamie Elizondo, who uh, was formerly in Ottawa, is now the head coach in, in Edmonton. Um, unfortunately for me, he's not going to be coaching me because I'm I'm actually back in Toronto now. That's so right. We'll yeah. So there's, there's still free agency to go. So we'll see what happens. But uh, interesting day yesterday. Flurry your moves. It's been a while since we got a bunch of CFL news like that. Quarterback switching spots, head coaches getting hired. So very interesting day. It's good. To and have you lost CFL. your quarterback. And you lost your quarterback, <laughs> Matty Nichols, already yesterday. Right. And he never. I never even got to catch a pass from. <laughs> had more uh, text messages back and forth than uh, passes thrown. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a good CFL day to move quarterbacks. Guys going back to offensive coordinators, they know. Natay, let's start talking about what we will see on Sunday. And yes, you're a receiver. But, you know, I was in a conversation yesterday. How does Andy Reid make up for a, a left tackle and Eric Fisher gone? Is that, uh, is that on tight ends? Will we see a different scheme? How will he worry about a pass rush? Because it was the same situation for the Bucks two weeks ago when they got to go against Green Bay without a left tackle with experience. How do you how do you strategize for that from an offensive standpoint? Yeah, that's an issue. Uh, definitely an issue that they're going to have to uh, work through because their offense is predicated on getting time from Holmes, getting uh, time for Tibby Kill to get downfield, getting time for Kelsey to work the middle, right? So they need that time. I think what, what they're going to see because, you know, you saw what – uh, Tampa Bay was able to do against a um, a line that was was missing a few guys in Green Bay. They had their way. I think J uh, Jason Pierre-Paul had like three sacks in the first half, right? So it's going to be an issue. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, tight end chipping, a lot of running back attention uh, to their outside guys. But the thing about the Kansas City Chiefs is no matter who's in the game, they still call the same plays, the same game plan, whether they have Chad Henney in there, where they have their, their backup running back in there, where they have their backup receivers, they will still call the same plays, have the same game plan because they know the most effective thing to do is you know, trust your players, right? If you bring in a backup player and you're all of a sudden calling different plays, not only does the other team you know, adjust to that, but the players that you have are like, oh, you don't think I'm good enough to run the same plays that you know uh, the other guys on the team are running? So it's, uh, it's definitely an effect that uh, Kansas City has mastered this year. Like you'll see anytime they have backup players, they don't care. They'll run the exact same plays and the same philosophy. But I think there'll be a little bit more attention pulled uh, to the defensive end of, of Tampa Bay because if you can't protect, then you, you will not be able to move the ball. And that's where Tampa Bay has the edge. Our Monday morning quarterback, Natea Jay, with us here on Sportsnet 650. Who do you like here? I mean, Tampa's at home. They'll have some fans in the stands, but the champs are still the champs. Who, who do you got in this one? The champs are the champs. I know we've talked about this throughout the year uh, when I've come on on Mondays. It's like it doesn't matter what a team does. They can play perfect for literally up until the last minute of the game. But somehow Mahomes and this Chiefs offense will will pull it together. But you know what? I think it's going to be a really, really good game because Tampa Bay has strengths where where Kansas City has weaknesses. But the thing you can't you know account for is literally the speed of Tariq Hill and the the, the mismatches it causes with within your defense because you have to put so much attention on them. Teams will try to do this throughout the playoffs. Put so much attention on them. Let them dink and duck their way down the field. And Mahomes is patient enough and he understands uh, the offense enough where he he will take that. He will hand the ball off. He will dump it off to Kelsey. He will take, you know, short passes, you know, screen passes to McCole Hardman. And then once you start focusing on that, then they'll go over the top. So I really like this Chiefs offense because I haven't seen a team that consistently for uh, – 
the entirety of a game, you know, shut them down. And their and their defense plays well enough, complementing football where they will be in game. And whenever a team has a lead, no one ever feels good when you have a lead against Kansas City, right? So it's almost a double-edged sword. It was like you don't want to ever get down against them, and also you don't want to have a lead. So this team is the ultimate team right now, and until they're beaten, it's hard to even fathom picking another team against them, especially when the stakes are this high. I don't know if you have ever battled through a bunch of injuries. I mean, when you're a pro football player, you have. Yeah. We have seen Mahomes hobble for the last couple of games because of a toe. I don't know, and I'm not a medical expert. Man, it, damn, it's tough to fix a toe. Do you think he's healthier having not played for two weeks? Oh uh, no, that toe, that toe is going to take a full off season. Like whenever you have turf toe, it, you're you're hardly ever good that same season. It'll, it usually always takes a full off season, and even after a full off season, you still kind of feel turf toe is one of the most painful injuries you can have. But the thing, good thing for Mahomes is like he's used to throwing off of different platforms, right? Off of one leg, you know, maybe off of no leg sometimes, right? And what he's diving in there, still being able to complete passes. So uh, for anybody, I think he he's well equipped to handle it because of the different arm angles, different platforms he's able to complete passes on. And he's got a lot of help around him. It's not the Mahomes show. It's not like Deshaun Watson where he's got to do everything. He's got to run. He's got to pass, you know. He, he's got so much help around him. I think he's going to be okay. I think it's probably the least thing that they're worried about right now. Uh, they're probably more worried about Tampa Bay's defensive line, you know, uh, pressuring him more than anything. But he's been so good at, you know, stepping and eluding um, the defenders and getting the ball off that I, I'm not even worried about it. But everybody's dealing – at this point in the season, literally everybody on the roster is dealing with something or they haven't played this year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sucking up now, right? It's you know, I mean, it's not like he looked all that impacted by this uh, turf toe back when he tossed for 325 yards in the AFC championship. Uh, how about this trade over the weekend in the National Football League? Is it is it me or man, did the Rams give up way too freaking much to get Matt Stafford here? I think both cases are true. They gave up a lot to get Matt Stafford. But if you look at, you know, their MO, they they don't value first round picks. Like they they probably won't have another <laughs> first round pick till, you know, we send someone to, you know, Pluto or something. Yeah. So they, they don't value first round picks. They don't care about them. So that this is their MO. They want high end blue chip kind of talent to um to, to round out their team. Like Jalen Ramsey, they gave up a boatload for him, but he's been like as advertised on you know, lockdown. And they've got the number one defense in the league, right? They've got offensive skill players that are unbelievable right but they just are missing the quarterback that are that's able to make plays that isn't scripted by the quarter the, the coach right you can see it on the sidelines Sean McVay like even though he was wearing a mask you can see he was fuming so many times with jo um Jared Goff because he's like man I draw up these plays so perfect all you have to do is execute and you literally cannot do that so you can see you know he's having a hard time with with Jared Goff and uh, he was visibly frustrated a lot of times and to get a quarterback that is on Matthew Stafford's level literally a top five quarterback in every category you talk about except for wins right because that's a, a more of a team thing so to go a quarterback like this I think it's going to unlock that offense and they made it to you know the play uh the uh division round the playoffs um with Jared Goff not playing his best with the injured thumb, right? So I think the sky's the limit for this team. I think they're a Super Bowl caliber team with uh, adding uh, Matthew Stafford because he unlocks so much. That offense is going to look unbelievable next year just because of the skill players that he's had. And this defense is still a number one defense, right? So, you know, those things, two things combined, they already went to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Now imagine what they're going to do with Matthew Stafford. Yeah, yeah, just an above-average quarterback will make them difference because – because Goff hasn't been that. Uh, this is the last time we talked before Sunday. I get the sense then you figure the Chiefs repeat. 
I, I definitely get the sense that the Chiefs would be, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like Tom Brady, like I, it's so hard to ever bet against Tom Brady because know. You know, it's just he just burns you every single time, no matter what kind of team he has, right? And uh, I'm just really excited for this game because I think this is what we all wanted all season long. So I I got the Chiefs because you know until someone knocks them off, I just it's so hard to have them picking against them. Who do you guys have? You can't hedge your bets. Oh, I took the Chiefs. I I, I like I like Kansas City to to handle this. I just think that. I mean, at, at three. I, I I grabbed them at uh, you know as three point favorites last week. I see the lines yeah. moved about a half a point to this point, but I I just think that you know what when they need to flip the switch, they can do yeah. it. And yeah. and yes, I get the whole magic and the mystique of Tom Brady, but you know what? Tom Brady's not perfect in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, look, I mean it's remarkable. He's got he's this is a ten Super Bowl, but he's also got three losses in the big game. Yeah. I, I'll I'll tell you what, Pat Mahomes is special. I mean, I think at this point he's trending in the direction to be the greatest ever. And we're going and he's going up against the greatest ever right now. So right. I, I'll yeah, take I, Kansas City. I, I grabbed I grabbed him at three last week because I'm comfortable if I lose to go, that's the greatest athlete, the greatest quarterback ever. I'm comfortable in saying that. I, I wouldn't bet on him, but I'm comfortable in saying, yeah, if he did it, silly me, he's the GOAT, and it's simple as that. You're never wrong betting on the Chiefs. I have a rule of thumb with oh, a bunch of my friends. If, if Kansas City's ever minus three you t- and um, have a home as their quarterback, you always take them because 90% of the time you will win that. So you'll sleep good at night making that bet, I promise. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, let's talk about it next Monday and see how this game all plays out. Enjoy the week, man, and uh, nice to catch up. Thanks, Natay. No problem. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. There he is, Natay J from the All Ball Podcast and uh, Argo's receiver. Uh, Man, crazy week in the CFL. (laughs) Like, honestly, I know the the news has kind of flown under the radar in a lot of eyes right now, but man, like just the volatility, you know. Well, bonus time, February 1st, right? Bonus time, February 1st for guys. Yeah, and nobody wants to be handing out bonuses right now to anybody, right? So uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, Sonia Aslam from News 1130. In the house? Yeah, morning, guys. Ready to roll? Yeah, good morning. How are you? Back from your party Saturday night? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because I'm that stupid. Yeah. Why no. don't you? You should be. You should ask if you could go undercover somehow to that. That'd yes, cool. that's what we need. We need a five-foot-top, five-foot-tall cop running through a downtown Vancouver nightclub sort of condo slash, I don't even know what that was, show lounge is what they called it. Yeah, it was really weird. Okay, so so give us a sense for for people that maybe missed this story over the weekend. Although I feel How? like every, everybody, every yeah, everybody seemed to still catch up. Well, no, but sometimes on the news, people kind of tune off the news over the weekend. But yeah, uh, for true. people who may have missed this, uh, another rager downtown, and this time the cops shut it down. Yeah, so this is the same guy who we talked about. Uh, what is it, a week ago? And yeah. he was making a make. He has a makeshift nightclub slash show lounge in his three uh three floor condo so it's the telus gardens down on richard street in downtown vancouver and the cops showed up you know late saturday night early sunday morning this past weekend there was more than 70 people in this condo no one's wearing a mask there's tables there's food there's a dj there's a topless woman there's cash registers there's it's like it's like a bump and club except it's in a condo downtown so the cops showed up, they shut it down, they handed everyone a $230 ticket for obviously breaking the PHO, the public health order, and then they took the guy who owns the condo, who's been warned several times, this is his sixth party in January, 
and uh, he's now in custody. So they are saying, like, we can we can release you, but with really, really strict bail conditions. And what's different today, this morning, is that we're hearing from people who live in that building who are saying he should be evicted. How can you possibly have six parties and still live here? Leave. Just okay. leave. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Is there a, is there a fine that he has, or can he only get the two thirty fine that everyone else did? So it depends. There's a few. So it starts at two two uh, two thousand three hundred. Um, there's more than seventeen thousand in fines that was handed out. So um, okay. two thirty for everyone. He's got a few, but his biggest concern right now should be you know charges. So he's obviously got the money to yeah. live downtown and to have a rager every weekend. It's incredible that uh, finally they busted it, which is nice. No, but he's but obviously he's making you know obviously he's planning for this fine. It seems that when you're like okay for for most of us two thousand dollars sounds like a lot of money when you're getting fined, but obviously he's not getting the message. Like at some point maybe there's a piece of jail ramifications or <laughs> well, something. That's the eviction, right? That'd yes. Be great. Yeah, yeah, the wow. eviction is one thing. The thing is though is that a lot of these people who we've seen break the rules. There's two kinds of people who are getting the twenty three hundred dollar fine. People who go, you know what? I screwed up. I'm sorry. Give me the fine. Okay, fine. And then there's other people who just are repeat offenders who just keep eating it because they don't care. They have the money yeah. to toss around 2300 bucks, and so they do it. But you're right, Seaball. For a lot of people, two grand is like, yikes, that's a crappy fine to get. And he's like, that's fine. I've had my sixth party this month. And you're like, no, not, not mm-hmm. again, not again. No, no. And that's, and that's it. Like I, I get like probably some of those people that got fined 230 bucks that, okay. It's like, holy crap. Like, okay, I just walked out of a party and I just got fined 230 bucks. And, you know, maybe, maybe said partner is paid for, you know, your, the other person to go into the party. So, okay. Eating 200 bucks is a lot of money, but at the same time, when you've got somebody who is clearly doing this, you know, the message is not being sent, yeah. right? At some point, yeah. if we're going to be serious about trying to police this stuff, throw the freaking book at them. But what's nice about this case is because obviously it's become so high profile is this now becomes, you know, the warning to everyone else. If you think you're going to get away with it, you're not. Because increasingly, I bet you what we're going to see is we're going to see the cops really crack down on anyone who does anything. This isn't funny anymore. This isn't something you can skirt the rules on. We have two variants now spreading in this province in addition to actual just COVID-19. Those rules have been in place for months. Like, Come on. Really? Really? So, well, and what we just talked about too, right? Super Bowl parties. Uh, yeah. You wonder if, if they're worried this weekend, right? That it's a big time. Even Dr. Bonnie had talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I, you know, I'm a great cup person, but Super Bowl's coming. So people got to ta- Yeah, she talked about Mid-post. Super Bowl. She talked about family days coming up the week after. Yeah. Like March break. Yeah, March breaks, reading break, spring break. Come on. Like, you guys, I, nothing changes from 2020 to 2021 right now. So it's unfortunate, but we just need everyone to follow the rules. Thanks, Aslam. Thanks, boys. All right. Bye-bye. Sonia Aslam from News 1130 just down the hall with the latest as uh, COVIDians still rolling in the world. All right. 27 minutes after 7 o'clock. Pair, James, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Don't forget, Kevin BX will join us in just over a half an hour from now. Looking forward to catching up with Juice from Hockey Night in Canada. But in a moment, it is game day. Canucks and Habs will dive into the matchup next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 
7.33 on this soggy Monday morning. A pinch and a punch for the first of the month here on this Monday, February 1st. Kevin Bieksa will join us uh, from Hockey Night in Canada at the top of the hour on your Canucks commute. James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski with you. Don't forget, 4 o'clock puck drop between the Canucks and the Habs. Round number four between Montreal and Vancouver this season where Montreal decisive goals for advantage here. Uh, 17 to 10. The Habs have outscored the Canucks so far in this three games that they played against each other. But I would say this is a much different looking Vancouver team than the one we saw at Rogers Arena a little over a week ago, Pear. Well, Julie's not coming to the mic and going, the, the Canucks are who they thought they were, right? You're not, it's, it's just not happening. You're not sure what you have. Habs on the ice right now because, uh, you know, four o'clock start and Victor Mete escaped with Alexander Romanov. So you wonder if Mete, a little bit of chirping on the weekend to play and get in the game is going to get to Josh Anderson skating too. He had a flu-like symptom over the weekend, so we'll see if that is. But, yeah, I think if you're Travis Green, after what happened, you finally win in Winnipeg on Saturday, I think you come into Montreal comfortable, going, all right, maybe this is the first time I I feel good about our play. We're not giving up as much. Um, and, and it starts all over the ice, and it starts with a guy like Brock Besser, James, who had this to say Saturday night about the fact, hey, He's tied for the NHL lead in goal scored. He's reverted back to the Brock of rookie year. Everything around the net, he just has that comfort zone. He's become a better player. And for me, he's been the best forward this team has had since day one. I think my shot's feeling really good, obviously. Um, it's, uh, I mean, obviously, um, you know, there's there's been issues with uh, injuries in the past. But, um, you know, I've been feeling good and I've been really focusing on staying healthy and, and feeling good on the ice. And I think it's it's showing and I'm feeling confident out there and feel like I'm moving well. You know, James, you almost forget how they're trying to figure out where does Brock go in some games last year because he just couldn't score. But boy, that's part of being a mature player. And I think that's what we watch Pedersen go through for the first couple of weeks. Brock gets through the other end and goes, man, I still got that talent to score an NHL goal. And by the way, I'm a better NHL player now for it too. Brock Besser got quicker. And it's noticeable, yep. right? And that, I think that's a that's a big difference in his game. Where you know, I, we use an expression. My sister, at least, uh, served me up with it years back. Molasses on a cold day, you know. And that's how it felt like Brock Besser was moving for most of last season. And he talked about how he got into his own mind, struggling as well. This is a guy who seems to be playing loose, playing free, playing with a little more bounce. And the Canucks are certainly benefiting from it, considering the fact that when you look at where this team is now, one game above 500, uh, you know, they had lost five or six pair, but through their struggles, you know, Brock Besser has been a relatively constant and that is finding a way to find the back of the net and eight goals already this season. Yeah. He looks way more noticeable. Like, you know what? It's the shot, the shot more than anything. And that confidence and the release and the accuracy, you're going, okay, here we go. That's a difference maker for the team because look where the depth on this team is. Like, you know, Pedersen's still your franchise player up front, right? You know, JT Miller, certainly, I think you could make a case in that he was the team MVP last year based on the way he played, led the team in points last year and what he can do at all ends of the ice. You know, Horvat, in terms of what he can do as well at both ends of the ice, I think you put him at number three. And if Brock Besser's your fourth best forward, and he's a guy who might get you back to, it might be back to the guy who can get you 30. 
that's a sign of some serious depth here. We once, in the first couple of years, watching number 53, said Bo Horvat's got to work on his skating to be a star in this league, right? Like, I think people forget. You first watch Bo, you know the work ethic was good. You knew he had the size. He didn't mind being physical. But you knew he had to become a better skater, and he knew that too. So Brock Besser comes, what do we know? Well, this guy's got a lethal. He's got an NHL shot right out of the gate. Great. But you watch him and you go, you know what? There's something he's got to work on. And to your point, you're exactly right. Now he is a better skater, and he will continue to get better. And I think as we look at Pedersen and go, boy, this guy can score at an NHL level right away. As I watch him, you kind of go, you know what? He's going to have to improve in his skating. It's kind of a strange stride that he has. But why has Niels Hoaglander been effective for the first three weeks? Man, this guy can scoot. His first couple steps are great. He's low center of gravity, tough to move off the puck. That's going to help. At the end of the day, you can have different skills. But to be an NHL superstar, you better be smooth on your blades. I agree with you. I think Brock is a better skater. But he's also a smarter player, too. And it takes a while to learn. And I think we're kind of seeing that matured player now, kind of on the same level as a Bo Horvat going. He seems to be consistent. There won't be a lot of nights where he's going to go missing. And that's a sign of a good NHL player. You know, and, and beyond what we're seeing from Besser this season and uh, the big lines kind of cooking again, can we just point out that goaltending has really just helped stabilize this team over the last week? Yeah, it has. And you know what? Goaltending wasn't thrown under the bus for the first two weeks, was it? It was the two-on-ones, another two-on-nothing, another breakaway. And we, you know, even Travis Green, no one really went at the goalies, did they? That, that, to me, it's just... I, they don't weren't they weren't bad and, and this was a conversation that we had last week and it, it's it's not that they were bad but it's not like they were great and it's not like they were good I think both Holpe and Demko both felt like they needed to be better and I think they finally did get better this past week and you know particularly Thatcher Demko who's kind of at this point right now kind of become Vancouver's number one right? I mean, 97, 97% save percentage in the last three starts where he has faced 103 shots, Perry, and he's only given up three goals. And you know what? The great thing about it, he, I, I love the, I just would call Thatcher Demko now Bubbles. I think that's a great <laughs> nickname because, and he, he, he wouldn't like it, but man, nicknames come because of a certain situation, but Demko on Saturday said, you know what, let's, let's move past what happened in Edmonton. I want to be known for what I'm doing day in, day out as a regular goalie manager. I just yeah. want to turn the page on playoffs a little bit. Um, you know, it was a great, great little run for me there. But, uh, you know, I'm all about moving forward and, and focusing on this year. Um, just want to keep building my game. Uh, obviously, a lot of, of uh, opportunity to uh, continue developing this year and, um, you know, these last three games, I think I've been able to do that. And, you know, it's all about just keep moving forward. Bubbles. <laughs> there he is. And, and you know what, James? We we debated with Corey Hirsch and our goalie experts around here. Who would be the number one? And and I think a lot of people thought it would be all right if, if Holpe played more games than Demko. That's not the case, man. Thatcher Demko needs to play more games than Braden Holpe. Thatcher Demko has to without question, by the time we are done this 56 games, be the number one goalie for the Vancouver Canucks, in my view. Tell me this, though. Jacob Markstrom and Braden Holpe are the same age. Why mm-hmm. does that? Why does Thatcher Demko have to play more games? 
Well, for this organization, like it, to me, you were waiting for him to take the mantle. You believed in what you saw and hope he was the greatest insurance policy and you've got it. But if you want to, are you going to wait for a goalie to be 30 or would you like him to be successful when he's 24? I mean, I think you want that young goalie to go, we've got him like Carey Price and we're going to be okay for the next seven, eight years. Sure. I, I I don't think like, hey, look, I think whenever a goaltender is ready to go and if he's ready to go sooner rather than later, I think that's totally great. But I just don't think it's uh, to me. Here's the one thing I look at as well. If at some point in time, Braden Holpe finds his game, Braden Holpe's obviously shown that he's got a higher ceiling than what Jacob Markstrom has shown to this point. And guys, we've got a Stanley Cup and a Vesna trophy, right? Mm-hmm. Braden Holpe's shown a higher ceiling in his career than Thatcher Demko as well. And it's not a knock on Thatcher Demko. It's just what the resume shows. And I, I don't think a goalie at 31 is over the hill. I just, I, I do think that let's give Braden Holpe some time to find his game. And if it's something like, put it this way. If Braden Holpe shows up with another strong effort here in the next game or two, are you just resigned to him being just a, a total backup here? Or are you okay to let this kind of play out with a little more 1-1-A? To me, I feel like I'm okay to let this kind of play out a little bit more. But Demko's goes on a roll right now. So I don't have an issue with that. But I don't want to write off Braden Holpe just yet. Oh, no, I'm not writing him off. I'm saying if it's a, if I don't want it to be a direct split of what would it be, 28 games, 28 games gets you to 56. I hope we see something like, you know, 38, 20, you do the math. I don't know what it ends up being, right? I, I hope Demko plays more than Brayton Holpe, and I think the organization feels that way. You know, Demko's going into a contract year, but what's he going to be able to do? He's not going to be asking for four or five million. You might be able to get him for three or four years at a very comfortable price, and then you go, hey, that that's going to work out great with everybody else. We're going to be a young hockey team. He'll be 26 when we think our window is wide open to win a Stanley Cup, and he's our goalie for a long time. I'm not saying Holpe's not uh, – he's, he's a really good goalie, and I think they will split some things, but eventually when it's done – I hope Demko has played more hockey games because then you feel that much more comfortable moving ahead with them. All right, 743, your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock. Kevin BX from Hockey Night in Canada will join us uh, lots to kind of dive into with, uh, with, with Juice coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, and in a moment, one of our colleagues here at Sportsnet 650 has raised, um, I guess, a fair or foul sort of situation as we kick off the month of February. I'll let you, the people, decide whether this is a fair, logical process or maybe one that is just as soft as anything that I'm kind of leaning towards. We'll get to that next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 749, your Canucks commute coming your way at the top of the clock. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski with you. It is game day. Canucks and Habs drop the puck at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Pre-game show starts at 2 here on Sportsnet 650. Just heard a promo for uh, the program, which you can catch weekday afternoons normally from 4 to 7 here on Sportsnet 650 with Andrew Walker and Satyar Shah. Uh, it is February 1st today here, Pear. And, um, you know, a lot of times people have done a dry January to start off the new year. And now a new thing has become dry February. 
And, you know, uh, and, and in this one, dry February actually helps uh, in the fight against cancer. So there, there, there is some there is some good to it. But our um, our, you know, our uh, polarizing afternoon uh, star of the program, uh, Andrew Walker, threw this out here. And I want I want to share this with you, Perrick, and tell me if this is fair or foul, because I couldn't help but howl when I heard this on the radio Friday afternoon, but here's Andrew Walker and his logic for a possibility of a dry February. Booze has been very good to me in the pandemic. You know, like where would we be without it? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Well, but I think I'm, I think I'm going to do dry, do dry February. And uh, also, though, with the, and and maybe this ruins the whole thing. And feel free to judge me. Minus the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. I'm sorry. I, it, it does not count. So I will be doing 27 dry days out of february so okay it's the shortest month of the year and you're patting yourself on the back for taking a a day off after a week of trying to go dry for a month you lost me when you said andrew walker and logic in the same sentence (laughs) right is this that no do we wonder why this guy is single (laughs) <laughs> honey, I, honey, I, I'm in a committed relationship with you unless I go on a holiday, right? Then all bets are off if I'm not in the same city as you. Come on. You can't do that. If you want to be sensible, and I know it's, it's attached now and a dry February is great. Hey, I'm not one big guy on New Year's resolutions, but when I make a decision and I ate and I drank everything in December, it was uh-huh. okay, man. I, let's flip the calendar. I got to change it up. Well, you know, it didn't. I wanted to wait till a Monday. So when January 1st came around, I'm going, you know what? I'm going through McDonald's, man. January 2nd, okay, I think Monday was the third this year. Then I'm going to go, okay, now I'm ready to make that commitment. Uh-huh. So, Walks, if you, if you want to have a dry February, then guess what? Drink what you want this week. Have as many beers and wings and nachos as you want on Sunday. Then clean it up and go, listen, I, I wanted to wait till the Super Bowl. I'll take it into the first week of March so I can get my four weeks. Otherwise, that's a complete scam. Fair or foul? Dunbar to Lumber text line. Always welcome it. 650-650. Is it okay to take a day off on a dry month? See, here's what I would say. I'll put this out here, okay? Walker, I will buy you a 2-4 or a 40-ouncer, your choice, one or the other, if you can go 30 days straight without. If you want to start after Super Bowl, by all means, 30 days. Can you do it without having to take a day off after a Don't week? Trust him, man. This, ain't, this ain't the Sabbath day, right? This ain't the Sabbath day. Right? You're gonna, gonna you're gonna have to get like a baby monitor for him. How are you going to trust him? <laughs> How are I'll, you, you going to trust him when you're walking the dog that it's not Friday? He's on the air with Sat, and you know, you see he cracks open a beer for that last half hour of the show. I would never I'll, trust him. I'll 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 accept his word on this one. And maybe and maybe that uh, that's the sucker in me, but I'll offer him. I'll I'll buy him a forty ouncer or a two four of his choice, if he can go thirty days straight. All right, not taking a day off. I'm not patting you on the back for going. Hey, I did. I shut it down for twenty seven to twenty eight. Own it. Do it for thirty days. Do it for thirty days. Uh, I don't know if he can. I mean, I know, you know, I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen him, right? Walk gets into some, you know, some hard, you know, exercise and gets into a cleaning it up at that age. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Could you, I have to have no problem, mm. but I, I don't know. I'm a little more mature in my thought process 
you know, even to put that out there. Uh, booze has been good to him. Sure, it's been good yeah. to a lot of people. Man, liquor share has been crazy. But the Super Bowl's coming. You're going to have a beer. So just say, yeah. hey, my dry February starts on the 9th. I'll take it through to March. I, I, I totally, I wrestled with this in my mind where I thought dry January, I fully intended to do a dry January. But then I got grief from Brenda because her birthday's in the middle of January. She's like, well, you're no fun if I, you're not going to have a drink with me on my birthday. So, yeah. Okay. So that went out the window. And then I was thinking, well, I'll do dry February, but it's like, ah, Super Bowl. And I, I wanna, I'm going to have, not to say I'm going to have all the drinks, but I think I'd like to have a beverage or two on Super Bowl Sunday. So that kind of rules out the month of Feb. So at some point in time, I've got to tap out and maybe March will have to be it. But I try to make a point at least once a year, take a month off. But so far, there's been some roadblocks that have prevented me from trying to be uh, to try to rinse out. So at some point, at some point, I mean, I could be having this conversation with you in October pair. And so, well, you know, there's been another excuse. It was Valentine's Day. Well, it was Easter. I needed to have. So at some point. But Walker, come on, tighten it up, man. Tighten it up. Mental toughness. Andrew Walker never mentioned in the same sentence. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, game day. Canucks Habs four o'clock puck drop here on Sportsnet 650. We'll talk to Kevin Bieksa from Hockey Night in Canada and former Vancouver Canuck next on your Canucks commute. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. I think that's just, you know, a good way for us to, to get rolling right out of the gate and, and you know, build off of that and, you know, kind of just keep it going from there. The Canuck Commute with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski. It's 8 o'clock. It is game day. Uh, eight hours away from puck drop, for that matter. Uh, Canucks and Habs round number four on this Monday, February 1st. James Cebulski, Perry Solkowski with you. This is your Canucks Commute. Here in this hour of the starting lineup is a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Go visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. And you certainly found a lot of quality in the Vancouver Canucks play over the last four games pair, having won four straight. Yes, three of them came at the expense of the Ottawa Senators, who just got absolutely punked again last night in Edmonton. But the encouraging thing was seeing how this team responded last night against a Jets team that has historically been a terrible matchup for Vancouver. But it was a much different narrative on Saturday night where Thatcher Demko and the Canucks roll in and spanked the Jets. Like that was a very impressive performance from front to back for Vancouver. Well, it was the perfect start, and I, like many of you, yes, you beat Ottawa three in a row. You get back into it. You reach 500, but I was not sure what we were going to see on Saturday night. You get that terrific start with the Edler pass to Besser, and I didn't think they were great in the opening period. In fact, I thought they they were lucky to get away after 20 minutes, what they did, but to your end, Thatcher Demko was there, and then you go, man, second and third, look out. Winnipeg's going to take this game over, and they didn't, and they couldn't. They were suffocated defensively probably played as smart as they did as a five-man unit, got the saves when they needed them, and took advantage of, of you know, working hard to get their goals. You know, the deflection, the little batting by Niels Holglander, just hard work paying off. I think when they jumped on that plane, hey, most people like to leave Winnipeg in the winter, but when they jumped on that plane on Saturday night or Sunday morning to say, let's go see what we can do in Montreal, I think they're excited to go, all right, let's see what we can do with the Canadians now because they really didn't see us despite that win that they got in the shootout against Montreal. They didn't see the hockey team that the Canucks expect that they are. It'll be an interesting week for them to play three against them again. 
Kevin Biaxa will join us here momentarily from Hockey Date in Canada. And, uh, you know, here we go. It's it's a, it's a different sort of Canucks team that absolutely got throttled by Montreal, what, a, a week and a half ago for the three-game series. I mean, like, look, there was one game that was wild. It was crazy. It was back and forth. It was a 6-5 shootout. But after that, boy, Montreal really asserted themselves. And, you know, the Habs finally lost their first game in regulation over the weekend pair. To me, I still like Montreal as the team that's going to come out of the north here. Just, you know, even though they come up short, you know, Jacob Markstrom was great the other night, but, man, I just love how they just kind of check the boxes from front to back. Let's get uh, Kevin BX in here on this uh, Monday morning. Juice, how are you, sir? Good, guys. Uh, That was a quick week. <laughs> I missed you too. I know. Um, hey, hey, before we kind of dive in with the Canucks, I, I, w- I want to ask you: could, Did you did you chuckle or cringe when you saw your old boy Alain Vigneault scratching Travis Konechny uh, up to his old tricks? I guess uh, over the weekend in Philly. Oh, I've, I've seen him do that many times, and just uh, not surprised by it. And and I think he's just trying, obviously, get a reaction out of Konechny and I don't know what the reason was or maybe getting to play harder or get his nose dirty or whatever it is but he's not afraid to scratch veteran guys that are in the prime of his career and he never actually scratched me but he, he threatened to scratch me the one morning and I remember I had a little temper tantrum and smashed a stick and and he, he got a reaction on me because I ended up playing really well and kind of found my game and sometimes as a player you just need that kick in the butt to, to get going so we'll see if that one works. Juice, it worked for you, but have you seen it backfire and a guy just checks out then and goes, eventually it's going to be him or me? Yeah, you can go from not having a, a huge problem with the guy to a really big problem. It just depends who the person is, right, and how they respond. And who knows how Konechny's going to respond. Who knows if, uh, you know, the way the game's going this, uh, you know, this day and age, yeah, who knows he doesn't ask for a trade, right? Like, Young yeah. guys have more uh, power than ever and more leverage. And, you know, sometimes if you push them too hard, they're not going to respond. So it's a, it's a different athlete these days. Well, when, when you touch on that with with a different athlete and guys asking for trades and you see it more, I mean, we, we saw Line A, we saw Dubois, and then, you know, your your colleague on Hockey Night in Canada, Elliot Friedman, reporting over the weekend that Sam Bennett wants out. I mean, it's... What what's the difference now? That is it the case that the athlete just understands his full value, or or is it just a different temperament? Like what is it now? Well, it's it's a combination of things, right? It's a little bit of entitlement, but it's also not having you know, uh, knowing that your career is short, knowing that you don't have a, a long time to to make your money and to make your career, and if you don't feel like you're getting a fair shake in in one organization, you you want to see if you can make it in another one. So. It's a combination, I think. Uh, sometimes you just got to kind of keep your mouth shut and, and put your head down and play and work hard and, and, you know, dig yourself out of it. But if you don't feel like you're getting a fair shake in an organization, you're not going to be in their long-term plans. And, you know, that's that's the difference between Sam Bennett and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Dubois, you know, it was, it was mind-boggling because he's a first-line center. He's their top draft pick from a few years ago. He has a huge role at the team. The coach really likes him, even though Torres was hard on him, still really likes him. And he still demands a trade. We still don't know the real reason for that. But a guy in the case of Sam Bennett, he's, you know, he's kind of on the outside looking in. He's, he probably wants a little bit bigger role. Feels like he's earned it. And you know, if there's no room for him there, then that's why he wants to change scenery. Well, and Victor Mede chirps up uh, in Montreal over the weekend. And as we we see this morning, as the skates taking place already, as the Habs get set for the Canucks, that Victor Mete looks like he will make his season debut. So sometimes I guess it it can kind of work 
Uh, Kevin Bieksa joins us as he does every uh, Monday morning, Perry and James. Juice, I wanted to ask you this, and I guess it's kind of unfair. We were so excited about the Canadian matchup, and all the games are great. You know, you look at the Oilers and that, and there was some physicality between Calgary and Montreal on Saturday. But as fans, are we kind of expecting more intensity, more physical? Uh, and is that unfair when you're playing these guys nine or ten times? Will it take uh, a month, two months before it might get a little more physical and, and play a more of a playoff-style hockey? Because right now it's, it's how many can you score? Well, I think you, you saw that Calgary game was really physical because they had their team meeting before, or Calgary that is, and, and they probably didn't like the way things were going and felt like they had to kind of address a couple things before the season got away from them. So they came out with, it with a snarl and a chip on their shoulder. And, and Montreal, I really like their team. I just like the way it's it's built and you know the different uh, ways they can beat you. But it doesn't seem like they're going to back down from anybody. So it was a great physical game, fun to watch. And I think as a as a fan and a viewer, like, don't you want more games like that that are emotional, that are there's scrums? I mean, you don't want you don't want scrums every night, but it's fun to see players playing with that emotion, and that was an entertaining game. I don't think we can expect that every time around, but you know, once in a while, you're you're hoping more and more bad blood builds between the teams, and there's some animosity, and we can see those passionate games. But that's, I mean, that's that's the beauty of these return legs, right? Or these mini series that are built in, like uh, like a little heat, man, like a little intensity, kind of gets guys wound up, doesn't it? Well, I know if I was playing against the same team three games in a row, there, there's probably there was there would be things that would boil over, right? There would be some guys <laughs> that you just hate, and mm-hmm. you know, you, you would take shots at them. They would go back at you. It, you know, you you just know that those rivalries would form. Like, I played college hockey, and, and you would play the same team back-to-back nights on the weekend, so you knew you got two cracks at a guy, and it, it was fun because it, the, the, the wars, like, sometimes you just don't get those opportunities to get a guy, you know, when you only play them one game, you know, twice a year, right? You play two games, one there, one here, and when you're playing, like, three in a row or two in a row, like, you know you're going to get your licks on a guy, and, and sometimes that can boil over. Well, Juice, Myers and Edmondson, right? I mean, they kind of resolved everything, what, at the next game, the next night? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was Myers's hit. Like I, the way that played out, I really I liked it. I like first of all the hit, regardless of what you think of the hit. You know, Evanson comes up to Myers to warm up, and, and keep in mind these guys train together in Cologne in the summer. Like they know each other. Like I don't think they're really good friends, but they're they're friends enough where they train together. And Evanson asked them, and Myers is like, "Yeah, okay, like I'll uh, you know I'll pay my bill, even though I'm not I don't agree with it." And they fight, and it's a good fight, and you know. Myers takes a couple licks, but he shows up, and then everything's resolved, right? Like, there's no cheap shots that are going to derive from that original hit. So that, that's the way the game should be played. Yeah, there's, we're not talking. It's Tyler Myers' birthday today. He turns 31, but we're not talking about, oh, man, the retribution's coming. Hey, let me ask you this. You mentioned Calgary in the team meeting. You've never worn a C, but you've been part of a leadership group. Have you been a part to say, hey, let's call the team meeting? And what happens? Have some always been successful, or did some just fall flat? Only wore a C for Team Canada, but I guess that doesn't count, eh? Uh, so, well, we're talking NHL. We'll, we'll bring it up again with the World Championships are going. <laughs> uh, yeah, team meetings, most of the time they can be pretty effective if they're called for the right reasons. If they're called by the captain or the – they're never called by the captain. It's usually the leadership group. And if it's an open forum and everybody feels comfortable where they can share and be honest and there's no bullying and there's dialogue back and forth, yeah, you can usually get to the bottom of, you know, the players have a pretty good pulse on the game. And when you're not playing well, you know, usually 
you need to throw it out there because some guys don't really know why you're not playing well, and some guys do. Like a guy like Manny Mahalter had a really good pulse on the game, so when we'd have these team meetings, he would say, well, this is what I see. Maybe like, Juice, what do you think? And I go, well, this is what I see. And you slowly like piece it all together, and you figure out a way to correct it. And and there you go. Uh, you know what? You look at Montreal tonight. I was just Joey Kenward just sent me this here, Kevin, and the Canucks haven't. I know, just a you know, team player here, a team player here. Um, but the Canucks haven't won in Montreal in regulation in just over fourteen years. You were on you were on the team that night, no, uh, Luongo. Right. Yeah, I think you had two apples in that game, uh, Luongo with the shutout Please. back in January of two thousand seven, but. Is there, I mean, obviously there's no fans in the stands, but is there, like, tell me there's not a mystique about going into Montreal. Montreal, yeah, Montreal's awesome. It, the, the city is just, it's all about hockey. And, and when you get, right now, there's snow everywhere, and you got, like, just the, the winter setting, and you guys don't know what that is. That's the white stuff that falls on the ground and doesn't melt right away. But uh, <laughs> going in the Bell Center, you just feel the history and the tradition. Even though it's not the Montreal form, you can just feel all the greatness that's played there. And, and warm up, they usually have the, like the dance uh, music just blaring and popping and everybody's there and on the glass. And it's just such a scene there. And I, I, I'm sure it's going to be a little bit different with COVID. But like I remember going to uh, John Bellavo's wake after he passed. We were in town and... And uh, they they opened it up just for our team to kind of walk by and pay our respects. And his coffin was there. Like you just get like chills and goosebumps thinking about like all the history and tradition in Montreal. Well, we see every team scuffle like we did the Canucks to start. Habs are flying right now. Um, is it just par for the course over fifty six games? Every team's going to have a. You don't want it to be a valley, but you're you're going to struggle for a week. Yeah, I think so. I said before the season started, and nobody was listening, but I, I said nobody's going to run away with this thing. Like the, the, the from first to seventh in the Scotia North, well, we, we don't know about Ottawa right now, but mm-hmm. you know, one to six is going to be pretty close. I don't think the person that leads or the team that leads the division is going to be that much further ahead than everybody else. So I think it'll be tight all year long. I think it's it's really tough to go into these two three game series and get sweeps. A lot of the times they're going to be uh, splits, so I think things will, will stay close uh, the whole year. With, with that in mind, with the ebbs and the flows of the season, what's different from what you're seeing from the Canucks right now? You've done a couple of their games on Hockey Night and uh, in Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey here over the last week. What, uh, what's different that you're seeing from this team after the one that was lo- that had lost five of six there? Well, I think playing Ottawa helped for sure to, to get back to <laughs> yeah. getting well, yeah. let's be let's be honest right yeah. like things were it was a tough start a couple guys were gripping the stick they weren't scoring goals they were letting a lot in they play ottawa and you know they, they play really well for three games to get a little bit of confidence score a couple touchdowns a game and everyone's feeling good about themselves and it's amazing what confidence does to you all of a sudden the rest of your game comes around and then you know they get stacked up against winnipeg who's a really good team and they played a really solid game. They got balanced scoring. They got, you know, good goaltending when they needed it. It wasn't flashy, but they kept Winnipeg to, I think, just under 25 shots. I mean, that's that's the way the team's supposed to play. But sometimes it takes some time, and sometimes it takes beating up on a weaker, weaker opponent to get your confidence. We've had a lot of discussion about Brock Besser this morning. He's tied for the leading goals with eight. 
Uh, he took a lot of heat last year. They, they, even there's points with zero confidence. They're moving him up and down the lineup to figure out where Brock can get. Do you see that in a lot of players? Is that a natural evolution to kind of take a step back, maybe learn a little bit more about how you can help the team when you're not scoring better defensively, and then all of a sudden it comes back with that confidence? Because I think he's a better hockey player than he was when he was rolling as a rookie. Well, you just have to find a way to contribute when you're not scoring goals. If that's your primary job and you're a guy like that's supposed to produce offense like Patterson and like the Sadines did for so many years, if the puck's not going in and you're not creating offense, then you better be really good defensively. You better not be on the ice for a lot of chances again. So you better be finding different ways to contribute. And, you know, it seems like Besser's been doing that and he's got the the goal scoring flair. I think he's all eight of his goals got four two goal games, so he scores in bunches. And can you, can you hear how I'm breathing heavy? Yeah. You want to know where yeah, I what am are you right doing? Now? On a treadmill. I'm hiking. I'm no. I'm hiking up a trail in Kentucky with my dog right now, and it's a steeper trail than I thought. So I'm trying to talk and. What are you doing in Kentucky? Time. What are you doing in Kentucky? Yeah. How random is that? You guys weren't well, expecting that, were you? Yeah. Well, what are you doing there? <laughs> we're driving. My dog and I are driving back to California from uh, Toronto. Oh, okay. So we're, uh, we took a little little pit stop to uh, to get some exercise. Oh, I was going to say, you're, you're hiking to California. Yeah, well, it feels that way, doesn't it? <laughs> so are you, are you doing stuff from California now? Is that what it'll be? Yeah, just until the uh, the borders open up and I'm able to travel back and forth. But uh, if not, I'll have to come back for, for playoffs and suffer through the quarantine again like I did before. So we'll see. Yeah. That's the plan. But, uh, yeah, like I'll be doing it. Little hockey night from California. I don't think that's ever been done before, has it? Well, it feels like you're you're doing it the right way at this time of the year. I think on the road across the rest of the country. Hey, tell me this: um, when you see what McDavid did and the goal that he scores on Saturday night, Juice, and yeah. you know, last year he had one of those moments where he da- danced around Morgan Riley. But when you kind of become the victim of the highlight reel goal. <laughs> What's like? Take take me in the room. Do guys? Do you get chirped about that? Like, do you get eaten about it? I remember for years, Sheldon Sure was known for being his. He got nicknamed Sports Center because of a move that Jason Spezza danced on. Yeah, they they call they called Sure. They just go da da da. But like, like what, like what happens when you get victimized like that for everybody to see? Well, first of all, you shouldn't get victimized. You should at the very least chop the guy down and take a penalty so you're not <laughs> on those highlight reels over and over. Like, that's the thing in Canada. Like, they show those clips over and over and over again. And then there's, like, the top 50 goals, the top 100 plays. Yeah. <laughs> Miss plays of the month, yeah. Exactly. Goals by the uh, left-handed shooting defenseman. Yeah, they've got all the lists. Uh-huh. I'm very lucky that I was never in one of those clips because I would just, like I said, if I got beat really bad, I would just chop the guy down and go to the box and be like, you know, I'm not going on the highlight reels. I'm sorry. Kill this one off for me, boys. <laughs> so I was but just like, going to ask you, it, is there not every, one player that every... turnstiles you and go, man, that's the one I'll always remember? Or you got away with the chops? No, there was a guy. It wasn't – it was Brooks-like, so – it wasn't like a guy who was a superstar, but he went through his legs and kind of around me. He didn't really beat me bad, but like he went through his, his legs. Oh, there's two huge deer that are like dogs chasing now. But anyways, he ended up scoring. It's probably the longest fall. He probably should have had it. But uh, that's, that's one. But luckily, it was in Washington, and probably only like 45 people were watching. So you don't ever see it. So don't look it up. You won't find it. 
Brooks like posterizes Kevin BX. Perfect. <laughs> Have you ever had an instance, um, the story about Tony D'Angelo, uh, I think we're getting more and more information on this as it kind of leaks out that there was an altercation with Rangers goaltender. They put him on waivers. He's expected to clear here in about 40 minutes. But Ed Jovodosky shared a story once that Briz Galov walked into the Coyotes' room one night and kind of called guys out after kind of a you know a, a tight game and kind of yelled at guys. And, and I think it was Shane Doan, he said, that kind of basically got into Breeze Gallo's face and said, don't you ever dare do that again or we'll kill you. Um, have you ever yeah. had an instance like that where, you know, an altercation behind the scenes and somebody's had to resolve it within the team? Yeah, those things happen all the time. Like, maybe not to that extreme, but... Um... I mean, yeah, that's part of being a team, right? And and having to deal with that stuff. And that's usually why you have a, a leadership group to figure that stuff out and make sure it doesn't turn into a bigger deal. But, you know, we, we would put out fires all the time. There's a lot of uh, strong personalities, especially the, the years that we were really good in Vancouver, as you can imagine. There's personalities everywhere and you have to Kessler Kessler (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't say Kessler you did but uh, I'm not I'm not arguing (laughs) but there is times there is times where yeah you'd have to you'd have to be like a mediator and that's part of being a a leader and usually don't hear about the Russians losing it on the guys usually the guys losing it on the Russians so I'm a little confused with the Brit Gallup one but Mm -hmm. but uh, too bad that you have a camera in the room for some of those things because they're pretty entertaining well, and at some point, certainly not when you're a winning team like you guys were here in Vancouver, but are there times where kind of the leadership group will head to the coaching staff and go, this guy's not going to figure it out, man. It's best to remove him? Yeah, it's it's happened, and, and I haven't seen it too much myself, but I've definitely heard about it. But if you're talking about the D'Angelo thing, this isn't a one-time offense with this guy. Like, no, he's in history. From, from what I've heard, this guy's a, a piece of work, and he's been a problem for a long time, so... I think that was just the last straw for him. Yeah, it certainly sounded like it. Well, listen, uh, safe travels on your on your hike to California, and uh, thanks for finding some Who time. Who do you got in the Super Bowl, Juice? Probably they're not talking hockey in Kentucky. They'll be talking football. Who do you like Sunday? I, I just think Patty Mahomes is tough to beat. I, I think everybody yep. would love to see Brady do something special and win another one, but I think it's Patty Mahomes' time. But what, like, what an epic Super Bowl. We're so lucky we get to see probably the best ever against what could be the best ever. So I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, you and me both, man. Safe travels out there. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Don't get posterized. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Never. Take care. (laughs) Chop them down if you have to. You hear that, kids? There's life lessons from Kevin Bieksa from Hockey Night in Canada. Don't get embarrassed. Take a penalty if you have to, Pear. Good penalties (laughs) and bad penalties. So um, there he is. In Kentucky, the first time I believe we've ever had a guest from Kentucky, James, on this show. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, there, come on, Kentucky would only thing would have been basketball. Who would have been in Kentucky that we would have a conversation? I don't know. I feel so like, there uh, you see. Juice will be doing some hockey night in Canada from California for a while. Makes sense. Good for him. As you know what, as long as he stays as part of the group, man. That's. Uh, I mean, I feel like he has just been such a breath of fresh air, at, and uh, it's just been such a welcome addition to the panel oh, in terms oh. of the insight. The and humor, I would go. And, I would go yeah. full Cliff Kingsbury if I was him, right? Just get get the camera set up by the pool, right? So it's 4 o'clock and the guys are in the studio and he's got a little sunset going somewhere in California. Take it that way. 
There's uh, I got a text in here on the Dunbar Lumber text line here at 650-650. If I had to choose a famous person to hang out with for the day, Juice has raised to the top of my list. I'd buy that guy dinner just for the conversation and laughs. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. He's, I mean, there's the stories that you would have with Kevin Bieksa would be great. And he's with us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Just a friendly reminder here. Our friend Joey Kenward texts me a picture of Bieksa with the C in the Team Canada jersey. Hey, man, he wasn't a captain in the NHL. Listen, you get to the you get to World Championship. You're trying to find the leader who best fits your team because most guys are in the playoffs still. So. You know, I, I think I'm fine. I was talking about captains in the end. You're not having a team meeting in a world championship. Man, that, you're there for two weeks. You don't have time for a team meeting. You got to go out and play. So. And, as, uh, and as Kevin, uh, to steal a line from Kevin, who's Joey? Exactly. <laughs> 25 minutes after 8 o'clock. It is game day here in the city. Canucks and Habs, don't forget, pregame show at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Puck drop with Batch and Hershey coming your way at uh, 4 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. All right, coming up in a moment, Sportsnet's own Donovan Bennett shares a story about uh, what's ahead this month here on Sportsnet, and uh, we're looking forward to that right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day, people. Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. It's game day. Yeah, Canucks, Habs, round number four in the NHL North Division. Uh, puck drop coming your way uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon with Corey Hirsch and Brendan Batchelor. Uh, James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski. Reminder, this hour is a presentation of Surrey Honda. Go visit Nasir and the rest of the gang over at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. And pregame show starting at 2 o'clock as the Canucks will try to make it five straight here tonight, Perry. Yeah, we get excited at how many times they're going to play these teams nine and you know nine and ten times, and here we are. The Habs are going to be what six out of the way already early. It's kind of an interesting schedule with really no break for the Vancouver Canucks, but they get that big win on Saturday night, uh, which which I was unsure of what team was going to show. I think we saw the best Vancouver Canuck team for the final forty mon- minutes. That was in control back in the games in the bubble, where you just thought, you know what, they're not giving anything easy getting the saves when they need them, and then waiting for that opportunity. Uh, We'll see what they can do against a Montreal team that I'm sure just quietly they will say, okay, I'm glad we get these guys back because we were leaking when we played them. They made us look bad, and let's see if we can do it to them. You know, as Kevin Bieksa said, you're not – no one's coming out of the gate and and reeling off six, seven wins. Everyone's going to have a little bit of a stumble. Maybe for the Canucks, that stumble was just that start they had for the first two weeks. You know, I'm assuming that we'll likely see Carey Price tonight, uh, Jake Allen getting the start in goal back on Saturday. And, uh, I mean, Allen will in all likelihood play, uh, you know, tomorrow night as well. But, you know, I don't think we've even seen the best version of Carey Price yet. You know, Carey Price still with a a save percentage through the first five games of under 900. And so um, we'll see what, you know, the better version. And, and, you know, I'm assuming that Price will probably round into form probably closer to mid-season and, you know, come playoff time. But we haven't seen the best version to carry Price yet, but I, I've really been impressed by this Montreal team. And even in the setback against Calgary the other night, like this is a team that now, how many years, pair did we talk about Montreal being too soft, 
too small. That isn't the case now. When you look on the back end with the likes of Sherratt and Weber and, you know, Edmondson, uh, Petrie, and then you look up front where, you know, yes, there are some smaller skilled forwards, but guys that aren't afraid to kind of bang and crash. You know, Corey Perry looks like he fits in with this team. Um, and then you just throw in some of the different bo- bodies. Boy, Josh Anderson looks like he was just made to be a Montreal Canadian the way he's kind of exploded. Tyler DeFoley is a sizable body as well. Um, they check the boxes. I mean, this will be a fun two games and uh, and a strong test for, for the Canucks. As we kind of said, like this road trip and that series looming with the Flames next week, will be a pretty indicative sign of just exactly who the Canucks are. They got off to a great start on Saturday night with a win over the Jets in Winnipeg. Well, the Habs got it right, and I, th- I think a lot of people were uh, were curious. I think we like the moves in the offseason, but will it work? And you know, we talked about chemistry, and the chemistry is right there. I mean, is Toffoli going to continue on a pace with six goals in eight games? I doubt it. We thought they got it right when they got Jake Allen. Jake Allen's played three of the eight games, and that's giving Carey Price the luxury of going, I get to take a breath. It's not all on my shoulders. So I think Mark Bergevin has to be happy. The only little fire he dealt with on the weekend was Victor Mete spouting off and going, man, like, trade me if you're not going to play me. And guess what? By all accounts, it seems like Victor Mete is going to be in the game tonight and play his first of the season. And Brett Kulak, who's played in eight, will just watch it. That's a smart move. That's a depth move. Just like Jalen Chatfield has already been able to play five games, going, okay, because of injury. But it makes this team better that Jalen Chatfield has proven it looks like he can play in the NHL. So, yeah, I think the Canadians have been great, James. I believe you picked the Canadians to win this North Division. I thought they would be good, and they will be. I just don't think, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure they're unsure of what we're going to see in the Canucks. And I think the Canucks are now sure of what they are, that if they play well, they can beat and compete with everybody, and they played well in Winnipeg. I have... No expectation for them to fall flat on their face. I will be curious as to who plays goal for the Canucks. Do you go back with Demko after a great night and go, okay, you get this, hope he gets tomorrow, or do you keep it in the rotation? I would play Thatcher Demko tonight. Yeah, I I, I, I mean, I think we talked about this at the outset of the show. My, my logic was to maybe go back to Holtby tonight where you could give Demko just the extra day's rest before getting back in there because at this rate, the trend certainly seems to be that Demko's kind of your guy right now. So if you gave him the extra day off, he plays tomorrow, and then he's back there against the Leafs on Thursday. Uh, and, and you know what? Now the schedule, when you're going every other day, I, I, I'd be curious to see if you start riding Demko when he starts getting the stretch of starts, right? So I think this is a big uh, – one, one of these two starts I think will be pretty telling here. If Demko continues what he's shown over the last, what, three starts where – He's allowed just three goals in the last three games, facing over 100 shots. I mean, Demko's kind of locked in right now. Holtby was solid in his last start against Ottawa. I think Braden Holtby, if he wants to keep seeing some time, um, you know, he's going to need another strong start here because this could be an opportunity for the foreseeable future for Thatcher Demko to be the guy. I just, I, I, I still want these guys to both get their reps. I, I don't want to commit to yes. one guy just yet, Pear. That's uh, At least that's how I would see from a goaltending standpoint. Yeah, but I, I I mean, look at the Habs. They've played eight games, and there's no doubt who the number one is. But still, it's it's been a 5-3 split. So I, I don't think you have to look at, keep on going, oh, well, I hope he's not going to play a lot. If indeed a Demko becomes their number one, I, I still think it's, you know, it's almost like a 60-40. I still think the split will be bigger than a normal season because you play so many condensed games. 
But if you've got a guy in a groove and you're going to Montreal, I would say, you know what, Batch, you're feeling well, you're going to play. And then Holpe plays well and, and you're ready to go. And I think at some point during the season, we might see the reverse going, hey, Holpe's the hot hand. Let's roll with it right now. But I think the Canucks need to go and play a, a hockey game that doesn't leak opportunities because they did that for all three, even the one they won against the Montreal Canadiens. And they're just systematically, uh, everyone's on the same page, a lot more that final 40 minutes against Winnipeg, that if you take that to Montreal, may not win it, but at least you're going to compete the right way, where I don't think you could look at those Habs games as entertaining as they were. Man, that that was pawn hockey, and you can't play that if you're going to be successful. You know, some other stories around the National Hockey League this morning. We touched on uh, Tony D'Angelo obviously being placed on waivers yesterday by the New York Rangers. He's expected to clear by the top of the hour. And it's crazy. I mean, here's a guy, pair who was the fourth highest scoring defenseman last year in the National Hockey League with 53 points and, and you know, uh, to be placed on waivers. They were clearly... Clearly done with him based on what happened this past weekend with the New York Rangers, who are already off to a tough start. But late last night, also a storyline that could be worth monitoring uh, later today, Nathan McKinnon leaving the Wild and Avs game last night early. And how does that impact the Avalanche, who've been off to a bit of a funky start, right? But I will say that storyline, one telling thing from that game last night, it went to overtime, Bowen Byram. Over 20 minutes of ice time last night. Now, there was one game that you saw last week where Byram had played a lot of minutes, but it was a blowout game against the Kings. This one was a much different scenario. He got 20 minutes in a tight affair. That's a sign that obviously the coaching staff's liking what they're seeing from Byram. Took a couple of minor penalties and and I think probably still getting adjusted to the the pace of play, but still, they're – they're obviously liking what they're seeing because he's getting 20 minutes of ice time in a tightly contested affair last night like they did against the Wild. Yeah, and if memory serves, I think that was game seven, and that's all he needs to, to be officially in his first year of his NHL contract, which to me is not a surprise. Watch the second period, uh, the third period of that one. Yeah, he's he's in there, and he's in every situation, right? Dying minutes, the game is tied up at three. He's there. Uh, so it's good to see, and that's we're going to have it happen. Nathan McKinnon leaves after one shift in the third period. You wonder what's wrong with seeing Dumbo getting hurt in Minnesota. We've dealt with COVID and all these issues and postponed games, James, but we're going to see injuries happen, and they're going to happen to star players. It's just slowly they're going to trickle in. Uh, all right, 20 minutes to 9 o'clock. The Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at 9. It is February 1st, and uh, that also means it is uh, the start of Black History Month. And uh, joining us on the line is our Sportsnet colleague uh, from on the other side of the Rockies and maybe a few thousand miles away, but I would consider a good friend of the show. Nice to catch up with a former rock star running back from the Western Mustangs, Mr. Donovan Bennett. When was the last time you got referred to as a rock star running back? Uh, never, actually. So uh, the first time is, is good uh, right now. Appreciate that. Listen, the farther and farther I am away from my career, just uh, the better I become as an athlete in my own mind. So I, I appreciate <laughs> feeding into that ego and that narcissism that I have. It's a nice way to, for me to start my day. There we go. It's hey, Donovan, Donovan, we were talking to Kevin BX. We were asking about the play he got schooled in, he remembered. Come on, give us your one play that might be that much better in 15 years when you're carrying the ball. First of all, like you can't say we were talking to Kevin Bieksa and then follow with you want a story from me. <laughs> like that's number one, right? Like totally yeah, no pressure here, Donovan. Of athlete and personality. Um, the one play that I got schooled in. No, I think this is my No, no, your best play. Give me your best play. 
paint the picture as we get into Super Bowl week. Your best football play. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you this. Uh, it's actually the first time playing back in Toronto when I played at the University of Western Ontario. It was great. Like a couple subway stops away from my house, friends and family there. And we're, we're, you know, killing the varsity blues at the time, which everyone did, you know, killing it. And I, I got a, a toss, went to the right, nothing there. Reversed field, went all the way back across the field, nothing there. Tried to reverse field again. So, so now going, running basically 75 yards to get no yards. Um, and Barry I, Sanders. I, yeah, try, yes. trying to be, just didn't have Barry's uh, speed or agility, but, but trying to, in my mind, I was. <laughs> and, you know, as I'm reversing field, I'm trying to make people miss just to get to back to the other side of the field that I started at. All this yeah. to say, I ended up, like, losing two yards. Uh, and my coach is like, listen, like, respect the opponent. You know, we're up to big in the game, but, but like, you got to have some respect for the opponent. I was like, listen, I would have done that regardless. I would have been that dumb no matter the score. But I say all that to say, a photo was taken of me reversing field and running away from from said people but the angle of the photo i was so far going back the other direction the angle of the photo looks like i'm running away from everybody in fact i was just <laughs> into the, the end zone yes so 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 oh. that photo makes me look like i'm just a boss have the ball you know perfect high and tight you know the little baby biceps that i have were flexed and, 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 and you could see the crowd, like, in anticipation, like they're about to cheer. No, the crowd is saying, what are you doing? Do you need a compass? You're going backwards. So that would be the play. That over time, I can show that photo and be like, look how good I was. But in fact, oh, yeah. and now me, you, Vancouver, the entire country knows the truth. Yeah, it's, it's basically like the scene from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles and people in the car next to John Candy go, you're going the wrong way! Yes. Um, hey, Donovan, tell me this. Um, here we are. It's February first, and and man, when you look at talking about social issues, I feel like over, especially over the last ten months, man, your voice has been so prominent across this country, and I think people have really taken notice of your talents. Um, give me a sense of what this month means here in the twenty-eight days ahead here for Black History Month, and especially at a time where I feel like a lot of people are finally sitting up and taking notice over the past year. Yeah, well, I appreciate you saying that, and um, you know, it's funny because my voice hasn't really changed on these issues. It's somewhat been consistent. Um, the difference is that, to your point, more people are listening, more people are caring, more people are paying attention, and more people are consuming. So, so that's really what's changed. So it's not as if, you know, in a way, I found my voice on these issues. My interest in sport, similar to you guys, which is why I, I like your show so much, it's with sports being a vehicle or a platform to get into other stuff, arts, culture, music, fashion, social issues, human rights issues. And so certainly that's the case for me and for, for us in Black History Month. You know, it's an a opportunity to, to do that very same thing. And, and so what's different is, unfortunately, most outlets, unlike your show, aren't having these conversations for the other 11 months, right? They wait until February to then discuss these things, to then shine a spotlight and amplify um, some black storytellers or, or some great black athletes or, or people in the sports world. And so that's why the month is really, really important to, to f with full force, you know, do as much as we can and create as much content as we can. And that's what we're trying to do at Sportsnet this month by 
not just having myself tell the stories, but having that burden be shared a bit and going directly to the community and partnering with some great videographers and producers and photographers and writers, uh, really an all-star cast of black storytellers, some tied to sport, others not, uh, using our platform as a, in a vehicle uh, to tell these important stories. And so, so that's what the, the month certainly uh, means to me and how it will be a little bit different this year for, for Sportsnet, but something I'm really excited about. One of those stories, Donovan, will be Carl Valentine. Will we not out here in Vancouver? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, Taguamoyo, who is a young, um, you know, beast of a photographer. He's, you know, huge um, on, on social media as one of the, you know, emerging sports photography influencers in our country. He's done a lot of great work. Uh, with MLS athletes specifically, and has a great relationship with Carl Valentine, and he he did a photo essay with with Carl and with St. Ricketts, and it's just almost the juxtaposition. You got these two uh, soccer players, different age, but as much as things have changed, there are many things that stay the same. So there's a nice through line between Carl and his story and what he went through as a footballer, and how some of what he went through has made it a bit easier for someone like Tessaint, but also Tessaint can go to Carl as a reference point to get through some of the things that are still prevailing challenges. And so that's told via photo, but also, um, you know, a great Q&A that accompanies that story. And that, that's coming out on Sportsnet in a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, and that's actually it's the only photo essay we have um, in the project right now. But, it, but I would say, um, and some of the other content creators, uh, might get mad at me. But if there's one piece of content you really want to make sure you check out, it's that one. It's actually going to be leading our site next Monday. Um, and, and so make sure you check out that photo essay. Uh, and thanks to, to St. Ricketts and Carl Valentine for uh, offering up their time and their story. Well, thank you for uh, taking your time uh, and sharing your story as well, Donovan. And, uh, man, it's been some great work. And, and you know what? I think it's great to see that more people are noticing and paying attention and looking forward to seeing all these essays mm -hmm. uh, and all of it. Uh, before we before we say goodbye here this morning, uh, I would be remiss to say who you got next Super Bowl Sunday. Ooh. I mean, listen, it's the goat versus the baby goat, right? Yeah. And it's like, who who do you go with? I actually think it's going to be, um, you know, for the first time ever, back-to-back uh, -back Super Bowl MVPs by a black quarterback. How how would that be? Oh, how timely yeah. for this I conversation. Think it, I think it's going to be, yeah, I think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes uh, and, and that Andy Reid-led offense. Uh, and maybe the, uh, coming out of that, that game, We'll have the conversation on why it's not a Eric Bieniemy led team going yeah. to the Super Bowl uh, for a team in the National Football League. But I got the Chiefs, man. They're offense. Yeah. Then when they get mm -hmm. rolling, they're unstoppable. They're a CFL offense playing in the NFL. I love watching them, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Looking forward to it, man. This from the man with the greatest minus two yard run in Western. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. It, it, it was not productive, but. Um, it, it, it was fun to watch for, for, for the thrill and it made for a good photo. So maybe we got something out of it. Yeah. Uh, thanks Donovan. You take care, Anytime, man. Fellas. Thank Stay you. safe out there. Pass along my best to, uh, to CFL, uh, to the other one, the, the, the much better, the much more talented one in your household. <laughs> I will. My wife, Kate, is so much more talented.
Yes, say hi to CFL Kate. Uh, all right, uh, there he is, uh, Donovan Bennett, uh, with some special stories in months ahead uh, here, or the weeks ahead here on uh, Sportsnet 650 joining us. It is 849 here on the uh, starting lineup. James Perry, game day here on your home of the Canucks. A couple final thoughts before we turn things over to Scotty next here on Sportsnet 650. Brooks Light. It wasn't like a guy who was a superstar, but he went through his legs and kind of around me. He didn't really beat me bad. He's probably the longest ball. He probably should have had it. So don't look it up. Nice catch in the pass. Light scores! Dazzling handiwork. There's light between the legs. Highlight reel. Goal of the night is going to be right there. Has a little bit of everything. The way he put it around Bieksa. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Don't look nice it up, work. but man, the old howdy do. Yeah, it's good work. The hour of the starting lineup brought to you by Surrey Honda went pretty quick. 152 Fraser Highway. You can find quality and community. Hopefully, we get that quality tonight, James, as we start off against the Habs. Well, you know what? They've won four straight, and this team has checked the boxes in every department, right? They've tightened up defensively, and I think, you know, Jordy Ben deserves a little pat on the back. I don't think he's been the decisive reason, as I think some people have suggested. And when you look at the minutes that he plays, I think it's just keeping it simple, and and it's worked. So I don't want to rain on the parade completely, but he's helped stabilize that blue line. Uh, You've got great goaltending over the last four starts as well. And your big guns are starting to thrive. And Niels Hoaglander, pair, um, he's been a fit Bob. in that top six. It was a huge question mark going into this season, but to this point through the first, what, 20% of the first fifth of the season that we've now played, like that's a good sample size. He has shown that he belongs in the National Hockey League. He's gotten better, right? And to me, he was the most exciting player. I was waiting for him to jump over the boards on Saturday night. And it was like that the last game against Ottawa. He's got that confidence and that swagger. Makes that to you, that line that much better. And I think Horvath and Tanner Pearson are going, okay, this guy's – we better be ready for him. He'll get the puck to us and he'll go get it. Um, hey, they're playing really well. You want a good team in Montreal right now just to see if you can make up for what you saw against them. Looking forward to what's going to be a really good week for the Vancouver Canucks. We got to get out of here. Scott Rintoul show coming your way. Don't forget, pregame show for the Canucks and Habs starting at 2 here on Sportsnet 650. Brendan Batchelor, Corey Hirsch with the puck drop at 4 right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650.